Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, this is Bob and Becca. Hiya. We're just jumping in before this episode starts. It's a really good one, by the way. Mm. This is one of our faves. We've just wrapped it up. Uh, but we did record the first half of this on a glass of wine. More than a glass of wine. And on a bottle of wine. Um, and when I came to edit the first half before we record the second, I realized there's a few little um, We're idiots. misspeakings. So I know, we know, we're going to say her name wrong all the way through this, as well as all loads of bad pronunciation. We know it's uh, Cotier. Yeah. Is the pronunciation. We're going to call it Cotillard because we're idiot English people. So you're going to hear that. Just letting you know, we know if you're going to get annoyed listening. Also, sorry, I know, I know, that, <laughs> and Becca knows that France is part of the West. Yeah. But, but we are going to, in the first half of this episode, we're going to refer to any English speaking <laughs> roles as her Western roles. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. Um, it's but the wine talking. Just know that for the first half of this, you're going to hear us say stupid stuff like that. But Enjoy. all the stuff that we say about <laughs> the films and her performances is bang on and we still stand by it because, oof, this, this is a good episode. Yeah. Strap in. It's quite long. Enjoy. Yeah, so I um, hope you enjoy listening. We're going to gouge your eyes out and kick your head in. Sorry. Hey, you're listening to Known For Filmography Podcast uh, with me, Becca, and my co-host. Hey, this is Bob. So this episode, we're looking at uh, Marianne Cotillard's uh, filmography. Yes. This was your choice. It was. What made you choose her? Um, like I said, when I chose my last few, I was going to choose a couple of European actors. Mm. I wanted Arnie, I wanted a big action fest. Right. And I thought, who else would be good? Juxtaposition um, of that. Yeah. And I thought, well, just pick, <laughs> someone a, opposite. pick someone a bit more classy. And I thought, I like French cinema. Hang on. a bit more of that. What are you saying about Arnie? <laughs> Nothing. Um, and then I thought, well, everyone thinks I'm going to say Audrey Tattoo. It's the obvious choice. She is great. And then I thought I'd throw a curveball. Wow. And that's this. And um, I think probably the more interesting choice as well. Mm. Like, I didn't know a lot. Like, I've seen her in a few things. But... Um, Definitely after looking at her back catalogue, she's done way more than I ever imagined. And incredibly varied. Yeah, like crazy varied. And actually, after watching a lot of these films and reading a bit about her... We can now speak French? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We. Um, (laughs) I think actually one of the more respected actors like in the world, honestly. She's absolutely phenomenal. Like from what I've seen so far... Um, 
yeah, crazy varied and super talented lately. Mm. I feel like um, when you see her in a lot of these varied roles, it is obviously her. She has mm. like a very distinctive look, mm. but also you completely buy into the character, the complete the character, yeah. and how varied they are, and they feel completely different to one another, mm. which is what you need as as a, as a talented actor. Yeah, no, it's no longer like Marianne. It's the character she's embodying. Yes. And you're totally invested in that experience. Exactly. Yeah, so we just said how varied her roles are. Mm. Did you notice any sort of trend? We haven't obviously like, as always, we're recording half of this now. Yeah. So we haven't seen all of her films mm-hmm. that we we intend to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and as is tradition mm. that we set with the Arnie podcast, we're recording the first half of this on a bottle of wine. Mm. Uh, but have you noticed in what you've seen so far any trends in the sort of things she does? I think she plays a lot of people who have are just very like troubled. That's exactly what I've written. <laughs> yeah. Um, who are going through something like it's like she plays a lot of people have had an have had an experience or are experiencing something and are going through a journey. Mm-hmm. I've and written that is tortured slash troubled characters. Mm. So it's really interesting you've picked up on that as well. Um, From, yeah, so far, there's a lot of characters who are just going through something that she portrays. Yeah. Um, and I've obviously, I've written varied roles, which we've already mm. talked about. Um, what I also have really enjoyed so far, like I, I said, I, I like a lot of French cinema. It's, French cinema is very different, I, I think, has like its very unique feel to it. It's got a certain, it's like a different rhythm. Yeah, I sometimes think. the dramatic films are very artistic. Yeah. And then the other side of it, you get like a lot of... The French comedy mm. sensibilities are very different to what I'm used to. Yeah. So you have to sort of key your mind into that mindset. Are we talking about taxi here? Talking about well, anything that has like a comedy <laughs> edge to it. Because yeah. even if you think of films, French films that you've seen that have a comedy element, mm. that even not with Marianne and things like Amelie, mm. which has a comedy edge to it. Yeah. It has a very distinctive feel. And yeah. even Western films that have a comedy element to it, but by a French director, something like Eternal Sunshine, mm-hmm. has a strange comedy to what we're used to. Yeah. Um, and once you, and it can be kind of jarring at first, but once you key into it, think of like Love Me If You Dare. It took a while for us to key into the feeling of that. Mm. Which is interesting. I, I always appreciate watching different forms of cinema. But what was interesting about Marianne's films is that she's sort of done an even mix of Western and French cinema. Mm. So you really get a bit of both. Yeah. So let's talk about her known fours, IMDb known fours. I, I just wanted to say a couple more things about her before we get into those. Oh, okay. Um, the other thing I got is that she plays a lot of mysterious characters. If it's not these right. sort of tortured or troubled characters, it's these mysterious mysterious or deceptive she she could she plays mm. villainous quite well right yeah as well mm-hmm. um when i'm saying deceptive um maybe this is a spoiler but i'm talking about things like mm-hmm. as well as as mm-hmm. well as inception mm. i might have to bleep the names of those films because sometimes it's the twist that she's not right goody. spoiler alert yeah but she does deceptive very yeah, well the, the twist of yeah. like making you sort of put you at ease yeah kind of and make you but be- like trust in her and then the classic, turn it on its head 
if it was film noir, you'd you'd refer to her as a femme fatale. Mm-hmm. She, I actually, I really, I don't know if she's done one, but what I haven't seen yet. But I think she'd be great as a femme fatale in a classic noir film. Mm. But it's that style of character, right? She's good at mm. as well as so you've either got these like tortured characters or these mm-hmm. sort of deceptive, mysterious characters. Okay, uh, something else I picked up on, and often very elegant characters. Yeah. But yeah, the only other thing I got that was interesting about her is that she is an active Greenpeace supporter and spokesperson. Cool. Which is something that will come up relating to another film later, later on. on. Yes. Okay, cool. Which I have some information on. But anyway, yeah, let's let's what are her four known four films on IMDb currently? So we've got Levy and Rose. Yes. Inception. Yes. Two Days One Night. Yes. And Rust and Bone. Okay, great. So we've Good watched those four. Mm-hmm. A really varied mix, actually. Three, three French. French. Mm-hmm. Um, so what should we talk about first? We'll just go in order. What was the first okay, one you Le said? Vie en Rose, which is basically her um, portraying Edith Piaf, mm-hmm. who is a French... Um, she's a French singer, really. Mm-hmm. So she came... Yeah, Edith Piaf was uh, a French singer who was singing sort of around like the 30s mm-hmm. for... 30 to around maybe mid 60s mm-hmm. um, and this is an incredible portrayal Well, this um, was a film I knew by reputation for yeah. years since it came out. Um, I remember when this came out, it was a big deal, seeing the posters everywhere. And even I used to go to my local H- uh, HMV every Friday. This was my routine, mm. uh, actually, as a, as a teenager. And uh, yeah. when I first started working, every Friday I'd drive to my nearest HMV and buy myself a CD and normally a DVD. Yeah. One of each when I had money. And <laughs> I was a teenager, I had nothing better to spend mm. on. And that's really when I loved getting into music and film and i always remember seeing this but at that age i was like yeah foreign films i did Mm. i did watch a few spanish films actually at that age but i'd never watched i never got into french cinema so it was one that passed me by but i was always aware of it i I recognized that poster still from that age i had no clue of this film ashamedly um but this is probably sorry this is probably her most famous portrayal her most famous film but I don't know why I'm, maybe I was just, I live under a rock. But um, <laughs> like like watching the film, I know so many of the songs. So like oh, obviously yeah. like I know Edith Piaf's like music, mm-hmm. but I had no idea about her, um, like her backstory or anything like that. No, me neither. It's quite incredible to watch. Yeah, it's it. kind and of like, harrowing as well. Like yeah. it's kind of traumatizing to watch because she's so young and she's so... She grows up in a bad situation and like at a bad time and she's very deprived and then she skyrockets to fame and the whole film I was kind of just like where are the people where her where are, are her like closest friends like why aren't they looking after her and mm. like why aren't they why haven't they got her back and like I was kind of like worried for her character like the whole time and I'm like shit it's not even a character it's like this is a real yeah, person yeah it's a real person I sometimes find that with biographies um, you forget it's what you're watching no this yeah, is yeah it was thing. quite tough to watch at times because you see her just basically work herself to the 
to death, like pretty much. She's so young when she passed away. But it's all she knew as yeah. well. Like it's the only, if she wasn't singing and performing, There's she didn't else. know what to do with herself. Mm. And you actually see that in the film Her when she takes a break it. from it, she deteriorates. Mm. Uh, but yeah, this was this huge film uh, released in France as Le Mans. Mm-hmm. Um, Le Mans Piaf was what she was known as. Mm. Um, the, the Little Sparrow, yeah. whatever it is. But yeah, the film was released as Le Mans in French and it was uh, Le Vie en Rose after mm. probably her most famous song. I thought that uh, Marianne was almost unrecognisable in this. Yeah, it's actually the first because this film jumps around the yeah. timeline a bit back and forth which to me was actually to the film's detriment yeah i don't think it would have lost anything from being chronological or at least like a maybe like the end of her life and then yeah well, at that's the beginning the classic and then biography yeah. thing to do to show the end go back and then meet up again yeah but it felt like it by jumped. jumping around in time mm. it held sort of twists to her life close to its chest for no reason but that's mm. just a, a me, a criticism with the film. I did like the film. Like you said, it was harrowing. Yeah, um, but Marion played her from. She didn't play her when she was super young. There was a couple of like child well, actors, not when she was, but from, pretty from much from like 19, 19 20, yeah. and then right up until her death when she was 47. maybe forty. Yeah, forty-seven. For, I think was the age. Yeah, forty. Off the top of my head, but I think it was forty-seven. She. Died. Yeah. So quite a young death. But. So like that's a good like 20, 30 years that they had to kind of metamorphosize Marianne to play her. And because Edith had such a tumultuous life um, with substance abuse as well as illness, mm. she really goes through some uh, physiological Physical, changes yeah. big time. So some of this makeup was five hours of makeup to just get her God. looking yeah. right. Um, and she did, obviously, um, if you have never seen Edith Piaf, she has quite a unique look. Mm. Um, so Marianne shaved her head, like, back to the high hairline, to the, mm. the part and, and stuff. But what I was saying is, you said before, like, you didn't recognise her at first. That yeah. first time we saw her older, yeah. not old, old, but maybe in her late 30s, mm-hmm. you were st- we still hadn't seen, we'd seen the character as a child yes. and in her late 30s. And you kind of said to me, oh, oh when's Marianne going to be in this? Yeah, I was shocked. And I was like, no, that that's her. It's crazy how different and how like physiologically she kind of embodies the character with her... Very stooped. Yeah, like her, she just changes her kind of body physiology like to embody the character and it's just it's like amazing like including like along with the makeup and everything well Marianne herself is quite short I think she's only Mm. like 5'6 5'7 but uh, Edith Piaf is only like 4 foot 11 if I remember rightly so she had to sort of do the stooping and look smaller herself Uh, but we said this is probably her most famous film. This is the one that she won her Oscar for. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is an Oscar-winning performance, which is the amazing part of that is that it's a French film. Yeah. So she was nominated for a French role, French-speaking role, and still won. Mm-hmm. One of only six people to ever win for a foreign-speaking role. Mm-hmm. So alongside Sophia Loren, 
Robert De Niro, Benicio de Toro, uh, Roberto Benigni, and uh, Christoph Waltz. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty high caliber. Yeah, definitely. Of, of actor there. This was up there. And it, she was also the first French actress ever to win for a French language film. Amazing. So big deal. Uh, I think that's part of the reason this film was so renowned when it came out and why it would have been on my radar despite mm. not being my sort of film when it was released. I think also just her like energy throughout the whole film. She's sort of, Edith is going through like a really tumultuous, like emotional period and she definitely portrays that on screen. Um, her energy and her emotion and everything yeah. comes through like so incredibly powerfully. Um, which is amazing. I I love this film. It was really awesome. We did mention uh, Audrey Tattoo mm. at the beginning of this episode, and she was actually who the producers wanted for this mm. role. Okay. But um, the director, he wanted Marianne. Marianne. He'd, he'd written mm. the script for this film. Right. The screenplay for this film with Marianne in mind. Okay. So when the producers were like, oh, yeah, we got the perfect actress who want Audrey Tattoo. And he was like, no, 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 no. Like, I've already got it in my head who I want. Mm-hmm. They were really not on board. And he agreed oh. to take a uh, $5 million cut to Whoa. the film's budget to get the actress he wanted. That's incredible. Which obviously paid off big yeah. time. Because I like Audrey Tattoo, but I, I think Marion was, was better for this role. Yeah, yeah, very much. And it feels like she really did put everything into it. Mm. So... We talk about the range that she's capable of. I think this film alone pushes it, shows the range yeah. for her portraying Edith Piaf at the different stages of her life. Yeah, definitely. So it is one of those films um, that is, it feels like it's something that it is sort of, you, you kind of have to see this film, mm. regardless of whether it ends up being one of your favourites or not. Mm. So for me, it wasn't one of my favourites as a film. I think but it's just an the, incredible like story. For the performance alone, yeah. I think it's definitely like a must-see. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out because it's an incredible performance and like a really interesting like slice of history. And also, if you only know Marion Cotillard for her Western... This is a good... Yeah, yeah for her Western French, roles, uh, this would be the with. best place to start yeah. to see actually what she's capable of. Because I... I feel like actually her French roles have more to them. Yeah. From what I've seen so far. Mm. But yeah, La Vie en Rose. Yeah, amazing. Inception. Inception. So So we watched this again. Yeah, we did talk about this a little bit when we did the Leonardo DiCaprio episode. Yeah. But we didn't rewatch it for that. No. We rewatched and, it a couple of nights ago. Yeah, for this, I was like, you know what? I will, I will rewatch Inception. It's been quite a few years since I've seen it. Yeah, so, I didn't realize it came out in 2010. Like that's 10 years ago. It makes me feel really old. It feels doesn't feel that long ago. Like it came no. out because at the time it like blew my mind. Yeah, I was actually when I looked when we decided to rewatch it, and I looked when it was released, and I was like, 2010. Oh my god! Mm. And uh, I had this horrible like I'm old feeling and I said to you I remember being blown away by it when it came out and then when it came to Blu-ray watched it again and I thought am I going to be disappointed with this film 10 years on am I going to think it looks bad Mm. like really upset me right but it still looked great yeah it really did it's really unique looking film Mm -hmm. and um, I love the concept of it like we were chatting about the concept of it and like yeah it's just it is really unique but then it also follows some in retrospect 
just oh it's got some similarities with like other films and like other concepts and things like that but i think it does it in a really well watching it this time around i really saw a lot of similarities between this and the matrix Mm. where it's this group of people who plug into a virtual world where they can play with physics yeah and it really felt oh this is the matrix but in a different way yeah yeah which i'd never sort of drew that parallel before Mm. Um, and also like the obviously like the drug references and stuff like that i don't think i i really didn't get that when i first watched it we went for a walk yesterday and i said to you did you notice all the uh, parallels between drug like substance abuse Mm. in inception this time around and we sort of talked about it and i was like i can't believe until now i've never picked up on it when it's so obvious yeah um you know the, the the way they're hooking it up to their veins and they go on like a bender weekend and get lost mm-hmm. within themselves and she finds it hard to come back from it and he, this they is end the up end, drifting apart and the, loses her life to it it's so obviously like a heroin yeah. analogy which i never picked up it's on. the only way you can dream and all this yeah kind of and stuff. it bends yeah. your perception of the of reality like every, there's so much so many parallels yeah. to heroin abuse mm. with this which i'm amazed i never picked up on like, anyway. call me an idiot but Marianne plays an incredible kind of villain. She's like a yes. figment of Leonardo's imagination. She's like remnants of his memory. His his version of her yeah. that is left over haunts haunts him haunts throughout the whole him and movie. haunts the film. Yeah. As the primary antagonist. Yeah. In a way. Because other than her, the villains are what? Just faceless goons. Yeah. So you have this like, malicious entity. Mm. Her name is Mal, <laughs> which the, is in French is is you know the word Mal alone has negative connotations, right? Um, so that's all intentional. I mean, some people will say Chris Nolan can be a bit on the nose of this sort of stuff, right? But I kind of like stuff that's a little bit on the nose. It's very direct. The concepts are that in depth and intricate. Yeah, you can chuck some on the nose stuff in there with it, and, and it, it makes a nice disrupt- soup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wes Anderson does it a lot. People mm. say his his analogies can be a bit on the nose, but I kind of like it. And amongst the high concept stuff, it mm. works together. Mm. So like uh, the one that always comes to my mind, which people can say like it's a little bit ham-fisted, is um, the Darjeeling Limited, mm. where they're haunted by the emotional baggage mm-hmm. of the passing of their father. And the whole way through, they're carrying all the, this luggage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And eventually they drop all that. And I'm like, I don't care if that's a little bit on the nose. I kind of like it. And amongst all the high concept stuff so the other stuff yeah that works for me but yeah, yeah watching this again i didn't think it lost anything like it didn't it aged very well i really enjoyed it i think actually it's it's like a miracle of a film mm. like it's amazing that this film exists so many amazing people in it there's nothing um, like it um there's so many moving parts and it's so complex as a film, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's so simple to follow. Yeah. Because I said to you when I was watching it, the characters are constantly explaining what is happening to each other. Yes. In a way that feels natural because yes. they have a newbie on the team. So, and to it kind of walk lets you the through audience it. Yeah. follow what is happening the whole time. So it's so complex and mm. so intricate, but you, I never once feel lost in this. Mm. And she's great in it. Like the kind of, she's she's like, peppered like through the beginning she's not in amongst the main characters she's like massaged in very mm. slowly and then it kind of culminates with her being extremely villainous at the end and kind of almost jeopardizing the entire 
mission, as it were. Um, she's a continuous threat the whole way through, but you don't know her capabilities or her um, how powerful she is, really, and because it's all kind of in his memory and in the um and uh, ellen page's character is kind of aware of her gravitas almost the, like the threat of her she's talking to leonardo and being like you know she's you know should we tell everybody like and you're like oh she really like what's gonna happen is it like that bad like she's you like a computer virus she's yeah. like the agent smith when we yeah. the matrix she's like a virus invading the reality is, yeah. it's so similar to the Matrix. She's and if Leonardo knows like the maze layout, she can she knows it as well, exactly, and yeah. they have shared knowledge and all this kind of stuff because she is a part of him and a, and not exactly a figment of his imagination, but she's part of his subconscious. And it's just it's really interesting concept that she is a villain that kind of is doesn't a figment of his imagination. yeah it just doesn't exist or a memory you said she haunts his memories mm. and she sort of haunts the film yeah like she just a long not long enough time where you've forgotten about her and then she'll appear again almost like a, a ghost and you're like oh shit and then fuck things up yeah oh shit yeah. it's her like oh yeah. we're in trouble now and she is foreboding in that way mm. in a way that she wasn't from what you hear in real life her character in real life mm. it's the way he he is haunt made a haunting of his own memory with her but she, he sort of like entrapped her in his memories in these like snippets of time. Yeah. She's used very sparingly, which yes. I really like. We're going home to our real children. No, 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 no. Ma, you listen to me, all right? Ma, look at me, please. You're waiting for a train. Ma, God damn it! don't do this. A train that will take you far away. James and Philippa are waiting. You know where you hope this train will take you. They're waiting you for us. For sure. Ma, look at me. But it doesn't matter. Oh, God damn it! Because you'll be together. She said herself, this is the, one of her favourite roles she's ever done. Like, mm. That's what she said in an interview, fairly recent interview. She was like, this is one of my favourite roles. I feel like she's a very, in this in this um, film, she, her character is like very multidimensional. Like she's, one second you see her being incredibly affectionate and then kind of honest and then like, super malicious well you see his genuine memories of her mm. and then you see his perfect like memories his of her figment of and his then you see his malicious yeah twisted version of her that's been created so you're getting her in different states mm. throughout but he's also quite scared of her like he's yes. scared of the memory well, he's of scared her. of his own past yeah because he's running from it but um what i did Interesting. notice about his film it feels like when you watch it it feels like a sequel it feels like the way the escalation of this film ramps yeah. up, it feels like we already sort of explored these concepts in a previous film and now we're pushing it up to 11. Like sequels always escalate everything. Yeah, right. So like instead of going like two levels down, they're going like three yeah, levels. Yeah, exactly. And then, eventually, and then, spoiler alert, they go four levels down. Yeah, and, it's, and like it, crazy. it's like it's pushing concepts that mm. have already been established in a previous film. It's jumping straight into the escalation of a sequel well yeah all the characters are just like oh i didn't think you could do that i didn't know that it was possible yeah. and all that kind of thing and then leonardo's character is just like yeah i've already done it so and the whole film starts possible. in medias rest like mm. it, it almost well, it's the way it starts it's almost like heaping presumption onto you that you know what What's how the rules on? work i think that's why so many and explains itself i think that's why so many people struggle with it I really f find it baffling that people find this film confusing. Like I said, I feel like it's so guides you, mm. holds your hand through it. I think you have to be switched on to 
understand everything that's going on with it. Like, uh, it does hold your hand the whole way through. And it is, like, re-watching it, I found it quite straightforward to follow. But then I also was prepared to pay attention. I found it, like, the I first found it very time I think The watch. first time I think I watched it, I was, I did, it did lose me a little bit. I was like, oh, like, what now? But I think watching it again even after all these years, I was like, oh yeah, okay. Like, yeah, I know what's happening. Rewatching it as well, knowing exactly what's happening. Yeah. And I'm comfortable enough with this film now that I know exactly where it's going and what's happening. Mm. You notice all the little nice de- details that mm. are in it. Like, depending on whose dream they're in, the little details around it. Yeah. Like, the first dream they're in, it's, it's the Indian guy. So when they tell on the radio, it's Indian music playing. and he tells yeah. them, It's like little touches like that mm-hmm. where it's paying attention to whose brain you're in yeah. each time that fill out the and details like the, around it. I don't want to say physics because this is not really physics in dreams, but like the, the mechanics of it. Mm. Like when they go deeper in deeper levels and things oh, like that and how... The things like the freight train coming through mm. in the first dream when it starts going wrong and you're like, who's causing this? And he says, it's the defences, when actually that's already Leo bringing a train in because he has... Mm. The train is invading from his right. previous memories and things like that. It's, yeah. And if you haven't seen it, I'm talking gibberish now, but if you have... If you haven't seen it for a while, I actually recommend giving it a rewatch because you just pick up on all these extra yeah. little things. I, I think, think this is a really good film. Rewatching it. Yeah, it sort of brought a lot more I details was, to my attention. I was a little bit worried to go back to it because of how much this film had such like a high regard in my memory. It was like super hyped when it came out. Everyone was and like, oh, this is such a high concept. And Yeah, and how much people have mm. turned on Chris Nolan in some ways in the years since. And I thought mm. maybe it isn't as good as I remember, but I had, it's a fucking really good, unique film and there's yeah. nothing like it. Mm. And um, it's yeah, I, the Matrix. Loved, I loved you visiting it. <laughs> it's The Matrix too. But I'm surprised... The other thing is... I, was, I didn't notice it at like, the first watch, but now in retrospect, like there's a lot of... The thing that surprises me most is that these concepts have never been built upon. There's never yeah. been another Inception film. There's never been something that plays with this world again. Yeah. And it's just so like ripe. But also, like it's really well thought out. I also and don't want no, a sequel at all. <laughs> yeah, but there's no... like. There's no really loose ends. I mean, everything has been kind of ex- like and I d- it's and all been those, thought, it's all been considered. And for those who question the ending, to me the question the ending isn't questionable. It's pretty straightforward, and that's all I say on it. <laughs> it is wrapped up nicely in a tight little bow. There's nothing confusing about the ending. Let's uh, move on to two days, one night, then. <laughs> okay. Oh, sorry. One more thing I wanted to point out about Inception. Hmm. Um, this song, right? Non, je ne regrette rien. is a direct correlation to La Vie en Rose. Well, that wasn't intentional. Oh, that was in wow. the script all the time. That right. was the song they were going to use. And then Marianne was like, by the way. When they cast her, Chris Nolan was like, oh, we should change the song. It's a little bit winky so, to right. be like, to use that song. Because yeah. that's the Edith Piaf song that was the La Vie en Rose, the film, culminates in mm-hmm. the performance of. No regrets. So... He was like, we, we kind of can't use that song mm. now. It's a bit stupid to use it now we've cast her. But uh, he was convinced otherwise. He he considered changing it, but the rest of the crew were just like, no, it, like, it works perfectly. Mm. Don't, don't. 
worry it's about it. It's an amazing, like, and it's an incredibly powerful song. It, it's great in that film. The way that it echoes through that mm. film is really, really good. It's so, it, so yeah. it's so distinct sounding. That you song. kind of see it. That when it you kicks in, you're it like, several oh, layers shit. down. Yeah. The time is on. But yeah, let's let's move on. Two days, one night. Two days. What did so, you think of this? Really, like bizarre and interesting. She's basically playing a um, factory worker who discovers that her like workmates voted to. So her their boss gives them an ultimatum. Mm-hmm. Um, either keep her character called uh, Sandra or get your bonus, which is like a thousand euros. Yes. We can't she, afford to pay for another member of staff and your bonus. Yeah. Vote if you want your bonus or this member of staff. To stay, yeah. So, because she, it turns out that she was off work for, yes. um, well, she was depressed, but she was basically signed off sick. Yes. Um, and then her boss was like, oh, well, we figured out we can work with one less person while you're away. So mm. She's still like fit you and healthy kind of and ready to come back mm. to work. And they sort of say no. They pull the rug from under her a little bit and she has to, despite, obviously she's back working and she's, um, she's like fit and healthy, but obviously she's quite fragile to this situation like going back to work and be like right I'm ready to go and then having the rug pulled from underneath you is extremely difficult it would difficult be hard position. enough to go back into a working environment after recovery and all your colleagues know pressure. that yeah yeah. Um, so it's like it's a really interesting story um, about her kind of contacting each there's only about 11 or 12 it's, colleagues um, I think 16 Right, okay. Because the vote is between 17 people and she's the 17. We can work with 16 members of staff. Mm. We don't need 17. I don't think she contacts them all, though, does she? She Over one weekend, well, she has... From she the kind beginning of, of the film, she already has three. So right. that's only yeah. brings it down to 13 people. So and, she contacts most of them. A couple of them she knows are against just, her. It just follows her over the course of a weekend, two days, mm. one night going door to door, finding the addresses of each member of staff, yeah. going to their Pleading. house and trying to say to them... Will you I vote know this for is a horrible situation. You don't want to lose your bonus, yeah. but will you vote for me on Monday? There's a revote, isn't there? Because and that's, some that's guy, the film. Yeah. That's the film. It's just her knocking and trying to plead her case over and over again. Despite kind of battling with, you know, depression mm. and sadness and all this going on as well, she's really up against it. Um, and it has a really unique feel to it mm. because the takes are incredibly long. Mm. It follows her without a cut for a long time each yeah. time the the i've got here the, the takes up to seven minutes long each mm. so you've got these long stretches yeah. and the directors would redo these takes again and again they wanted loads of different versions of the take mm. so you've got a seven minute take and some of these would they would do 50 to 60 times oh my god so draining yeah but uh marion said this is Actually, it sounds draining, but was incredibly rewarding. Right. To do these long takes mm-hmm. and sort of get, give them a different Embody, feel each time, yeah. give them kind of different each time, make them feel natural. Mm-hmm. Um, so that gives it a really unique feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was a Belgian film, actually. Mm-hmm. So this was, um, she didn't read the script at all. She just accepted it. Wow. Because she wanted to work with the directors, um, these these brothers, uh, the Dardain brothers, mm-hmm. sort of renowned Belgian directors, and she really wanted to work with them. She'd met them previously, mm-hmm. and they said, we're going to do a film with you in mind. Well, leap and, of faith. And mm. she, she didn't even read the script. She was like, yeah, of course. I already said I wanted to work Amazing. with them. Amazing. Um, 
So for them, they hadn't worked with such a famous actor before. Mm-hmm. They're used to sort of doing smaller films. So they, but they really wanted to work with her. Uh, they said, I've got a quote here. Hiring such a famous actress was an additional challenge for us. Uh, Marion was able to find a new body and a new face for this film though. Wow. So she certainly transformed herself. And you said this when we started watching, you said, well, she looks really different. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, she, I think that's another thing she brings to her film. She definitely embodies each character that she's tasked to play. Mm-hmm. Um, she brings like a unique characteristics to them. Mm. Um, and she's so believable. Like a lot of films that I watch with actors, like we watch a lot of films with the same actor in. Um, yeah. And I think we we kind of see similarities in their performances, but I just definitely can't say that for Marianne. Like the similarities in the characters that she plays, but every character she plays is totally unique. And I believe, yeah. I totally um, like believe in the character that she's playing and mm. I don't make any similarities to any other film that I've watched with her in. No. Um I think that's quite interesting. She's like incredibly believable. I think this was a really believable performance and it was very mm. fragile, but very... Resilient. Yeah, like there's a lot of strength to it. When her, mm. like she has a... The, the husband character was, I really liked in this. Like mm. he was really supportive, not trying to push her too far, but understanding. Yeah. And like he, I really liked his character. Mm. And I think quite... Like refreshing, like in in filmmaking as well. I think um, I don't know. I can't recall any, but I just expected him to be a bit of a sh- like a shyster. Yeah, and he really that's wasn't. That's a real trope. You get someone who who's suffered from depression or, and is or vulnerable some sort of mental or illness, fragile, and their partner doesn't get it and, yeah. and takes it out on them and stuff. Mm. Whereas he was really understanding and supportive, and just pushing her enough to kind of motivate her. Yeah, and I think the way it portrayed coming out of a depressive cycle and trying to lift yourself back up. into mm. a world mm. and be normal was very well done. Mm. Um, yeah. So she was nominated for an Oscar for this mm. again. She didn't win. Uh, she actually lost to Julianne Moore. Mm-hmm. I really like Julianne Moore, so <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> but, uh, Maybe she lost for to, you. <laughs> she lost to Julianne Moore for the film Still Alice, which I've actually not seen, but... The amazing thing about that is that she was, she is the only actor with multiple Oscar nominations for foreign films. Mm. So alongside this, Le'Veon Rose, she's the only one who's had multiple nominations for Mm. foreign cinema, which is a pretty big deal. Mm. And also the only actor ever nominated for a Belgian film. Amazing. So yeah, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, it's a really good watch. It's a really interesting watch. Um, So something I did sort of, see similarities in this weirdly reminded me of the film high noon right so i don't know uh if if any listeners haven't seen the film high noon i really like high noon it's a weird film it's a, it's a western mm. <laughs> but it's almost in real time and it follows the sheriff of this town knowing that a uh train is coming into town and it's going to definitely lead to a shootout. Mm-hmm. So you've got this ticking clock throughout the whole film. Mm-hmm. And it's him going door to door to every person in town and saying, when the shit hits the fan, will, will you, you stand with me? me? Yeah. And him getting rebuffed again and again and again. Mm. And him still like trying to power through mm. and knowing he still has to face what's going ahead. Yeah. And he could leave town but he knows he's got a face what's coming up. Mm. And this film is so like that. It's mm. almost in real time. You're following her, these long takes for the weekend. 
you always she does obviously get a lift here and there, but mostly she's just walking. You just mm. see her walking around. Yeah. Um, like going up to doors and things like that, and also like pissing people off. Yeah. Of course, um, people don't want to lose a thousand euros. Yeah, causing arguments and things like that. And the way that people, that her colleagues respond to her, some are angry, some are shame, some are fearful, some are regretful, some are kind of happy to give that up. Some are, you know, supportive, some aren't supportive. It's really interesting seeing like all those reactions and how yeah, she takes real... that on the nose despite her fragility you get a real range of emotion from the people she visits as well mm. you know one of the guys is tearful because it's a revote and he feels so terrible mm. about his initial vote he's like i'm so glad i got a chance yeah. to change my mind but a lot of them got sort of corralled and scared into voting yeah. and you've got the they start ringing each other mm. she's gonna come yeah and stuff like that warning each ready, other and yeah. stuff yeah so really interesting unique film mm. So finally, the film we finished watching only 40 minutes ago. Mm, Rust, uh, and, Rust Bone. and Bone. This film's amazing. I didn't know a lot about it when we before we started watching it. Um, it's basically about um, this guy who has a son and he's homeless. Mm -hmm. And he ends up... Um, it's him trying to get support his son and get back into yeah. working. So he starts living with his sister... Um, he's sort of in and out of jobs. He meets um, Marianne's character as a bouncer in a club, um, kind of escorts her home. And then months later, she's in an accident at work and then they just spark up like a friendship at first. I mean, we can't, it's not really a spoiler and we can't really skirt around it. Not long into this film, mm. Marianne's character loses her legs. Yeah. It is the film about her surviving with no legs mm -hmm. <laughs> and adjusting to that life yeah which is all i knew about this film before i watched it i was like oh that's gonna be a harrowing watch that's gonna be a to be in the right mood for that you know it's, someone who loses their legs that's yeah. really tough but it, it wasn't tough it's kind of heartwarming really yeah. it's really weird though because his his character the um she plays alongside uh matthias matthias yeah matthias I don't know how to pronounce his second name. Schoenatz. 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 <laughs> Sorry. A noble attempt. Um, I wasn't familiar with him at all, so. He was amazing, though. He was really good. He plays kind of this, like... And he really, he's, he's kind of the main character. <laughs> yeah. Despite her having the major thing that happens mm. to her, and it being about her adjusting to that, he's kind of the main character. He's a bit... Like obviously they're homeless, then they go to live with his sister. He's a bit of a shyster. Like, he needs growing up. He needs to grow up. Yeah, he, he's sort of playing the field, and he doesn't really know how to look after his son, and he's kind of just bouncing around from place to place. By the sounds of it, he's got no roots, but he's into kind of like boxing, fighting, like MMA mm. stuff, and that's what really drives him. Um, he's a kickboxer, mainly. Yeah, and then... She, but she contacts him like when yeah. the, uh, when she has her accident. She doesn't know who else to ring. But it's months and months later, and she he's just like, rings him out of the blue yeah. and says, "Do you want to hang out?" And their friendship this kind of blossoms. Thing happened to me, but he so doesn't care. He's so laissez-faire about everything in life that he's just like, "Oh, okay." That's his redeeming feature. He does. He never judges her. No. And when he sees her at first, like so, they're at the beach, and she's like, oh, "I want to go swimming." She like takes off her trousers, or whatever, and he doesn't even bat an eyelid. 
No. Like really, he just grabs her like and carries her into the sea, and I think that's such he's like so a noble about everything. That is yeah, exactly what she needs, like a noble reaction to it. And then he's like later down the line when he offers to like have sex with her. Basically, it's just so like normal. He's like, "Well, do you want to like let's have sex?" And she's actually just like kind of, kind of. Uh, she doesn't know what to think. She's kind of like, oh shit, like I'm still. I think she's kind of she's thankful to be as, still desirable. Yeah, as anyone would be in that situation. Mm. Well, no one would want me, mm. is what she's thinking. So the fact that he's so casual about it, like, you want to have sex? Oh, I think it's the perfect person that that character needed at that time, someone who's not bothered. But then his worst characteristics is he's not bothered. No, exactly. But she, that, talking about the, the sex scene there, mm. where he has sex with her. So, she said, actually, her, the worst part of any film mm. for her is the sex scene. She hates filming the sex scene. Right. Um, and she's in quite a lot of sex scenes. Yeah, in this film, yeah. In, no, in, not in this film, but just in general. Well, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of sex scenes in the films that we've watched. Mm. Uh, but she said for this film, she actually really liked that scene. She mm. liked doing that scene. She said of all the sex scenes that was her favourite to do, actually one of her favourite scenes to film in the whole film. Wow. Because she felt, she was so into the character mm. that she felt good for the character. Right. And she felt so into that scene. Mm. And she actually really liked doing that sex scene. Mm. Um, Interesting. But um, she said she didn't research amputees too much at mm. all. She said she started to for this to get a feel of like how to move and how to act. Mm. Actually, she said she stopped researching pretty quickly because the whole point is that it's her new character for her. is new, exactly. Yeah. It's new for her, so she shouldn't know how to move properly mm. and it should all feel foreign and strange. And There's only one scene in it where I sort of noticed, obviously, Marianne has both of her legs. There's only one scene where I sort of, it was a bit obvious um, what the, that there was some like, CG oh, or right, whatever. Okay. But everything else was like really believable. Mm-hmm. And, her, and you're right, like her movements were like really believable. Yeah. I think like, they were kind of awkward way, yeah. and frustrated Without and stuff like that. It. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the the interesting thing about this, I said at the beginning that she was a big Greenpeace spokesperson. Right. So she signed up to do this film after reading the script. She loved the plot. Mm-hmm. But that Marine Land, she's a, she's a whale trainer, basically. And that's her, that's her she job. That that's, how, that's where she has her yeah. accident. We didn't actually mention that, so kind of a big part of the film. But yeah, she's a whale trainer. That's mm-hmm. her job. Orcas. Hmm. And she said, um, so she, because that's really only a factor for the first section of the film. Yeah. She's, after reading the script, she was like so on board with this film. Mm. So she signed up to it. And then when it came to preparing and stuff, she had to do all that research. Research. And she actually mm. went to work at Marine World for a month to work with the trainers, work with the whales. Mm. And she said she was really dreading that. Mm. And she hadn't really taken on board that actually she'd have to do all that training and do all the stuff mm. at Marine World, which is totally something she's against mm. and hates, hated working at Marine World and doing that stuff. Yeah. Because she, as she said, she didn't like seeing the animals treated like clowns. Yeah. That's you see it. So like we to- even mentioned this, didn't we? It's as like a profession, as like a orca kind of handler, it's two sides of one coin isn't it mm. you're kind of a you want to work with the animals because you love them yeah you're but then you very them. dedicated for them and then yeah but then you exploit them and you you're on kind a of show for everyone yeah and you're yeah so she said and put she, on. 
she loved working with the trainers and they were really interesting and they really cared about the animals. That side of it she liked, but she I really hated being in that environment and being yeah. in the marine world and seeing the animals in captivity and seeing them having to perform mm. like a big stage show. Yeah. And so unnatural she really Jump hated that section yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah, understandably. Interesting. Uh, but this film Strangely, was filmed alongside uh, Dark Knight Rises, so you can get more different films. She's doing oh, wow. a Western film and a French film. She's sort of flying, flying to and from doing these films at the same time. Wow, amazing! Um, which and literally only maybe two months after she'd had her first child, so she's just had a kid, and then she's filming these two very oh disparate films on in different continents back to back. So it's kind of a hectic year. <laughs> Oh my in god! Yeah, wow, um, that's crazy. But yeah, um, I really, really enjoyed this film. I really liked yeah. it, and I found it quite. I feel like all these films I'm drawing parallels to a film that's very different. This film I thought was very similar to um, the, another French film I love, The Untouchables, mm. where you've got a guy who's very blasé and doesn't care about things, mm-hmm. and someone with a disability, yeah. and that actually that relationship is exactly right for that time in both of their lives. Yeah. Um, and if you haven't seen The Untouchables, it's a ridiculously incredible film. I mm, love that film. Yeah. I don't know. With I, Omar Sy in it. I was trying mm, to remember the actors. Omar Sy, he's really good, uh, but he's in that film. I'm not, I could never speak for anybody who's disabled, but I think that's the sort of person I need or would need in my life if mm. I did be in that, I would become in that situation. Just somebody who is kind of like very blasé mm-hmm. and kind of doesn't, it's like not point it's not, it out. It's, yeah, not, it's not a big deal. It's not. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that that's why she, her character, kind of adheres to him because she needs that kind of personality in life. So amazingly, I thought, well, this is going to be a short episode, right? Because um, there's no way we can talk about just these four films for as long as we talked about the Arnie four with the whole Terminator franchise, right? And. Um, we talked about the whole Lord of the Rings franchise at the intro to Liv Tyler and mm. stuff like that. But we have done maybe our longest intro ever. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's have a, a break and we'll come back and scroll right to the beginning of her back catalogue. And maybe this episode won't be as short as I was expecting it to be. <laughs> so her first lead role, mm-hmm. we didn't actually watch. Right. And actually, I only found out about today. Mm. If I'd known, maybe I would have watched it. Mm. But for listeners, what I normally do is when we one of us chooses an actor or an actress, what we do is we sort of we look at the four known fours and we look at any other really famous roles they've been involved with, any other films they've had a lot of nominations for, mm-hmm. any films that are generally regarded as an amazing performance, new roles, original roles, and ones other people recommend and try and make it in a man- manageable section. But somehow this one just passed me by. So her first role was a TV movie called Chloe. Mm-hmm. And it can just completely bypass me. So we haven't actually watched her first role, lead role. Mm. But her first sort of role where she got kind of noticed was uh, the Luc Besson film Taxi. Yep. Which was later remade in America, but the original 1998 Taxi. Yeah, she plays the protagonist's like sort of on-off girlfriend, yeah. kind of. And it's not a big role. No, it's really small. Yeah. Um, she's quite like, um, she's got quite a lot of attitude. She's quite like sassy. Mm-hmm. She does have quite a big presence in this film, but I wouldn't 
So it's an no. amazing performance. And I haven't got too much to say about it. No. Like, I knew this film by reputation yep. for years. I'd um, never seen it. I before. like a lot of Luc Besson films, and I knew this was sort of like an earlier one of his. Mm. And it's kind of a French, wacky comedy about a taxi driver who gets a super fast taxi driver who breaks the law and who gets involved with the befriends police. Befriends a, yeah, befriends yeah, a cop to take down, down this, German like, bank robbers. Yeah. It's, it's ludicrous. Yeah. And it's a fun watch. I thought it was going to be grating. Sometimes, like I said, French comedies can not gel well with me. Mm. But this was actually kind of more fun than I was expecting. Yeah, it wasn't super cheesy. I mean, it was in places, but it kind of rolled with it and I quite enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would, but yeah. it still wasn't my... Cup of tea. Cup of tea. Mm. But I'm glad to have seen it. But and she... also, it's the start of a franchise of five films, which I didn't watch anymore. I don't of. think she reappears, though. She's in she? the first three. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, we didn't watch any of the others, though. And I think by number five, there's only one member of the original cast left, and that's oh. the police chief. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's quite fun. It's like a good watch, it's but she's silly, not a major part in it. Yeah. Uh, but the real film that was her real breakthrough role mm. uh, was the French film uh, Love Me If You Dare, yep. uh, which was released in France as uh, Joie d'Enfance, mm-hmm. which means children's games, roughly. Yeah, it's basically two kids who like grow up together, mm-hmm. um, two very different backgrounds, but live in like the same neighborhood, kind mm. of. Um, and basically, they kind of just continuously dare each other, yeah. like, uh, like back and forth to more, 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 more. Like risque, it gets dares. out of hand. Yeah. It's, it's just when we, it's they have a, there's a box, mm. and they pass the box to each other. If you can do a dare, which is outrageous and impresses the other one, you win the box. You know, you then... turn up to your lecture in your underwear, which is one of the ones that she does, mm. and then he's impressed. So you know, they, they swap the box, but and they then he never, has to have yeah. There's always chemistry. Like, I think the film is about that they always had chemistry together, but they never really acted on it. Yeah, and they're then friends I think as children. It's, it's their regret. I think later on that they sort of had separate lives, but they really should have been together. That, but even as adults, it's all about the game mm. and then trying to outdo each other. But as an adult, you've got to outdo it. And sometimes the the thing it's a crazy film. It's shocking mm. the things they're doing to self destruct their own lives mm. and also destroy their relationship with each other mm. as all part of this game and the people around them and the people around them. It's just shocking mm. it's a comedy but it's also kind of a tragedy as well yeah it's a the ending was really bizarre I've... apparently it's supposed to be romantic so there's going to be a lot of spoilers so I'm not I don't want to get into any spoilers no. honestly I've never seen a film like this it starts so jarringly in this weird comedic mm. wacky way and really extreme directing style that took me a while to adjust. It sort of calms down a little bit, but like I say, the dares they're doing and the things that... It's stressful I was to constantly watch. stressed. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Stressed. That's the right word. I felt so anxious watching their actions towards each other and... They constantly make the wrong decision. Intentionally. Think, yeah. They're like, how can I fuck everything up even worse? Yeah. And you're just like, no, what are you doing? And they just get on each other's nerves and they but kind of intentionally... Yeah, it's, it's really bizarre. They won't let themselves care because it's not part of the game to do that. Mm. Oh, my God. And the ending, I mean, I don't want to give it away because it's so shocking. Mm. I was... My mouth was agape. It, it was like a horror film. It kind of didn't fit with the film but then it did it didn't it didn't it was really I weird. don't I don't think I would change it though I've never seen anything like it mm. so yeah that was but, love me if you 
It came out in um, 2003. Yeah. So the guy who she um, is cast alongside in this, the other lead, so it's obviously a dual lead, mm. a guy called uh, Guillaume Canet. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's her partner in real life. Oh, wow. They, but they didn't start dating to 2007. Right. So they weren't dating when this happened, but years, like four years after this came out, they started dating. Are they dating. still together? Yeah, they're still together. They have wow. a kid together. They've been friends since the 90s. Oh my God. But they only actually became romantically involved in 2007, years after this film was made. Wow. So that's actually her real life partner, this guy. Huh. Um, and also this film has in it the song La Vie en Rose again. <laughs> and he even talks to her about her singing the song La Vie en Rose. Mm, interesting. So another strange appearance of that song in her body of work. Hmm. Uh, but what did, despite what about crazy it is, and what did you actually think of this film? Um, yeah, it was really interesting and I, I'm glad I watched it, but it was just, the ending was too bizarre for me, I think. I still don't know where I stand with it. Mm. I, I, I've thought about this film, it was one of the first ones we watched. Mm. First or second one that we watched, actually. And, um, it has, like, been in my mind ever since. Mm. I've never seen anything like it. So if that's tantalizing enough for you, go check it out. Love me if you dare. Mm. And, um... We haven't seen the next few films that she's done. We've seen some later ones, but mm-hmm. in chronologically we haven't watched. So this is where we're going to take our break for now. Mm-hmm. The next film she was in was actually her first Western role, mm-hmm. which was Big Fish, mm. which I wasn't intending on watching again, but I might do it. Yeah. Um, it's a film I remember. I've not watched it for years. It's so a it film I remember really liking. Mm-hmm. used to really, really love this film. So it's been a good few years since I saw it. I would be interested in seeing it again. Mm. And seeing what I think of it. So join us after the break to see if I did watch it again. Mm. And what I thought of it all these years on. Uh, And if not, we'll just skip ahead to whatever was after that. But this is where we'll take our break. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, People that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We're back. Yeah, so next we're talking about uh, Big Fish. Well, we wrapped up last time saying maybe we'll rewatch Big Fish. Yeah, we did. And we did. Yeah. Um, you love this film, though. Well, on revisit, I thought it was all right. Right. Which was kind of heartbreaking. So you held it. It was like a little bit rose to me glasses, a little bit. I don't know what it was about this film when I was a teenager. This was one of my absolute favorite films when I was a teenager. Mm. I've seen this film so many times. And then I just didn't watch it again for years. And whenever I told people at that age, like, oh, yeah, it's one of my favorites. Mm. People said, that one, really? Yeah, right. Um, I don't know what it was about it. Maybe it's the whole storytelling element. I love like storytelling. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously a big part of it. Um, but revisiting it, I was like, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, I was never really that into it, but I, th- I don't know. Maybe I just like missed it, whatever. But um, Marianne plays like the wife of the guy's, like the main guy's son. Yeah, so the the you got sort of a parallel storyline going yeah. on of like the past and the main present. character as a young man and his mm. life and the main character as an old man dying and his relationship with his son mm-hmm. and she plays the wife of the son yeah. in, the, in the modern story. So she actually doesn't have a super big part in this. But this is an important role for her. Right. It's the first English-speaking role. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, so it's the first American film. Yeah. Um, and she was a massive Tim Burton fan at the time. Oh, cool. And so she was so excited to sort of try Be out for this role. Included, yeah. She said um, she slept with the script underneath her pillow <laughs> until she got the part. Cool. <laughs> and it's not the biggest role. No. But um, yeah. It's That's quite first, exciting, first I suppose, if you're role. a big fan. To yeah. To be involved, like finally. Yeah. In any capacity, I think. I talked with your father last night. Mm. You never told me how your parents met. They met at Auburn. What about the details? How they fell in love, the circus, the war. You never told me any of that. It's because most of it never happened. But it's romantic. Mm. Mm, What I know better than to argue romance with a French woman. Do you know your father? Everyone loves my father. He's a very likable guy. Do you love him? So it's, cool. it's not like going to be up there in terms of like, this is what she needs to be known for, but it's notable and I just felt like revisiting it. Like a bit of a turning point for her. Yeah, and mm. I feel like, even though I said I, I thought it was all right on rewatch, it's still one of the better Tim Burton films, mm. I think. Right. But yeah, Big Fish. 
Cool. So next, uh, we've got a very long engagement. Yeah. So this was actually recommended. Yeah. But who recommended it? Neil. Neil. He always recommends us one. Yeah. Um, and this is what he recommended for this. Yeah. Um, I really liked it, actually, but Marianne's... Well, I've got a bone to pick with me. Right. Because we had such a long list of films, and I was like, well, we've got to include this. It's a recommendation. She has eight minutes of screen time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it was enjoyable, but yeah, I, I can't say it's yeah. that important. Well, it's got um, Audrey Tattoo in it. Yes. Who I really like, so I was pretty pleased about that. I think that's why Neil recommended it. I know he's a big Audrey Tattoo fan. Mm. Um, and so he's probably seen this because of that connection. Right. Um, and it's the one that came to his mind. Mm-hmm. Maybe he didn't remember how small her role was, but um, it was enjoyable. This is the same team that did Amelie. It's the same director. Yeah. and it's a lot of the same cast. A lot of the same cast, yeah. Um, and Which I didn't I love like it Amelie. as much as Amelie. No, I think Amelie is unique in its... It's just like a really bizarre and endearing film. Mm-hmm. For me, it's a real like go-to watch. If I've got like, I don't know, if I'm home alone and I'm just like scoffing some snacks, I'm like, oh, I just want to put on like a like a feel-good film. It'll probably be this. There's like a few films I can think of off the top of my head that if I'm out and I come home, yeah, you're rewatching them. Yeah, and there's like five films that just like are your constant <laughs> rotation. Why am I doing a film podcast? <laughs> <laughs> And that's definitely one of them. I've I've come home and you've been watching Amelie like many, many times. Yeah, it's really, I hold it like dear to my heart. But we're not talking about Amelie. No. <laughs> we're talking about a uh, very long engagement. Yeah. And it's hard to say much about it. I mean, her role is cool. Mm. She's like, um, we talked about her being like a classic femme fatale yeah. earlier. And this is a real, like, she is that. She's like assassinating people and, yeah. in cool ways. She's... And- so like she's on the same hunt as Audrey Tattoo's character yeah. but they're coming at it from like totally different like ways of execution exactly um, so this film's yeah it's a bit of a mystery it's just a mystery basically mm. isn't it and it's just hunting down what happened to these guys this group of guys group of guys yeah. during the war um, which must have been I'm not sh- obviously this is like a um, I don't know is it based on a novel yeah it's based on a novel is it yeah, like know. roughly. I think it's been adapted. Okay. Um, but imagine trying to track somebody down in World War One. Yeah, we said that. It'd be impossible to track someone down at that. Yeah, or like time. track down events that happened several years ago. And like during the war where half the people there are like dead and all, there's all like misinformation. Lying about and their identity and stuff anyway. Yeah. So crazy, crazy cool story. She's only really got one scene where she has a lot of dialogue in this. Mm. Uh, it's when her and Audrey Tattoo's character finally come face to face. They're sitting across the table from one another. Yeah, and that scene's great. Yeah. Uh, they are really got good chemistry between each other and her, her, she's really good in that scene. Mm. But it, it's, yeah, it's one, it's one yeah. scene. Okay, so let's chat about um, Public Enemies then. Yeah, what did you think to this? This is the first time I'd seen it. Yeah, this was pretty cool. Um, John Dillinger, 1930s, like, gangster film. Yeah, it's like a, it's a John Dillinger biography mm. and she plays his love interest. Yeah. It's definitely like the main character is definitely Johnny Depp, but she plays quite an integral role. Yeah, she is like the woman that Mm -hmm. when they're trying to, you know, smoke him out, they know he's going to go back to her. So they've just got all eyes on her all the time. And she has a few good scenes in this. Yeah, I like that she's sort of, I guess, plucked from... I don't know nothing. Kind of, she's mm. like a bit of a nobody. Yeah, she's like a wet. Right. She's like a coat handler, and she's like a. He she does a couple of out. different jobs. Yeah, 
Um, and she kind of metamorphosizes into like a woman of um, status, I guess. status, yeah, and like quite easily. Like that tr- transition's quite kind of natural for her, I think, mm. um, which is really cool. We kind of see two two sides of her character a little bit. Mm. What is it exactly you do for a living? John Dillon, Rob Banks. where all these people here put their money. Why'd you tell me that? You could have made up a story. I'm not gonna lie to you. That's a serious thing to say to a girl you just met. I know you. Well, I don't know you. I haven't been any place. Well, some of the places I've been in, so hot. Where I'm going is a whole lot better. You want to come along? Boy, you are in a hurry. If you were looking at what I'm looking at, you'd be in a hurry too. Well, it's me they're looking at this time. You're beautiful. They're looking at me because they're not used to having a girl in their restaurant in a $3 dress. And she's quite resilient when they um, interrogate her. Yeah, yeah. Super resilient, especially for the... Um, times as well mm. i think like 1930s they didn't really pull any punches yeah i mean um i didn't love this film yeah it was okay it was yeah it was a solid like yeah it's all right mm. <laughs> it's one of them ones where when i've heard people talk about it before they've gone yeah it's all right i wish it was better i don't know it's quite long it's yeah. quite long is what i remember but it's not that memorable yeah well you've got some big names on it you've got like christian bell yeah um billy crudup who's in big fish with her yeah so there's some like people coming back in uh, Johnny Depp, like we said, um, I think like it had all the makings of being amazing, but I, there was just no spark for me. I'm not a big Johnny Depp fan, anyway. I'm not sure if he was the right person for the role. No, I don't. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so so yeah, we're, okay. we're not saying too much about some of these because she hasn't had. They're not like to me. These last few aren't like standout performances. Yeah, significant, but not. Mm. Uh, next was nine. nine. So this is definitely like a gigantic ensemble cast um, and she plays like the wife of the main yes. guy who's played by Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah, And it's basically just the film surrounds him and it's about the women in his life. Yeah, he's a, a film the, director and he's mm. working on his next film and he's sort of staying out in the middle of nowhere in a hotel to try and knuckle down, but he's really not started anything. He's on the tail end of his career, I think, and he's running out of steam yeah. and like, inspiration. He and can't, his last few films have been flops and mm. everyone's waiting for his big return and he's hyped this film up so yeah, much. Yeah, the pressure is and getting to him. It's just a character piece, really. He plays this sort of like... Italian director caricature, yeah. and it's about his relationship with different women in his life. So his like mistress, kind of... his muse, his wife, his mother, uh, his costume designer, like yeah. a number of women in his life, and that she plays the wife. To... Yeah. Um, and this is a musical, <laughs> which we didn't know. Yeah, into I was going to drop that in, just like had no idea, and then we started watching, it and I was like, oh. Um, not really a musical well I, I didn't know it was that okay i only found out during the closing credits that it's based on like a, a broadway musical right yeah so um i didn't actually think the songs were that good no they weren't memorable the they weren't like catchy or like there's yeah. no i don't know like hook they all were a bit samey marion has two songs in this of her own though most mm. characters only have one i think of all the women she right. has the most screen time mm-hmm 
because she's there throughout the whole film as his yeah. wife dropping in and out. So she has her own two solo songs. Yeah, the person. And I actually thought they were the best songs, yeah. to be honest. Um, I'll probably put in a clip of them yeah. during this conversation. My husband makes movies to make them. He lives a kind of dream in which his actions aren't always what they seem. He may be on to some unique romantic theme. Some men run banks, some rule the world, some earn their living begging bread. My husband, he goes a little crazy, making So it's kind of interesting, but I don't know. It's not. It wasn't my type of film. It was a real. It was a bit of a mess because it felt like it kept dropping back into like a theatre setting. Mm. And I said, "Well, what's the point in making this a film if it's still if they're just filming within the confines of yeah? Yeah, this could you just watch it on stage? Like do something that you can can't do on stage. I liked like the bits that weren't like that. That was like just following him. Yeah, I like those because it was like. When was this set? Like 1930s, I think. Yeah, I love the bits that weren't really like the theatre bits that mm. were kind of his life because it's all kind of like uh, like old school Italy. He's like driving around in cool cars and it's like paparazzi before it kind of went mental and it's like... It felt like an excuse to Daniel Day-Lewis to play like a fun character yeah. caricature. Like he's, he's good at doing that anyway. Yeah. Like you just let him run wild with the yeah. fun caricature. Um, Marianne's performance um, was really good but I think that it was quite um, she didn't really have anywhere to go with it I mean it was just like play this character and she was quite like predictable kind of Mm, but then I she was um, someone who was realising what her husband was really like yeah those the scene with her towards the end with him Mm. in the screening I liked that scene yeah but and you only get a glimpse kind of, of that. like, oh, this guy's a turd. Mm. Seeing him for what he really is. Yeah. Um, but she was, uh, see, weirdly, because like I said, this is an ensemble piece. He's definitely the lead, Daniel Day-Lewis. And then it's almost like all, there's loads of female characters who are all supporting mm. roles. But um, the company pushed this, pushed Marianne for lead actress right. at the Oscars for this performance. Yeah. Um. Which didn't she didn't get nominated for. Right. Because it's not really a lead role, it's yeah. a supporting role. But they didn't want her to get in the way of Penelope Cruz's nomination for put, supporting. For supporting. Mm. They sort of wanted to push Penelope Cruz's role. So they put Marion up for lead. And obviously she didn't get nominated. And then Penelope Cruz. They kind Cruz of like snubbed went, her. Yeah, Penelope yeah. Cruz went on to win that Oscar. Bloody hell. Um, even though the general consensus was that Marion was better in the film. Yeah. She didn't get the nom because they put her in not yeah. the right category. Definitely. So. I can't believe, like, when you told me that, that Penelope Cruz won an, an Oscar for this, I was like, I was astounded, <laughs> honestly. I mean, she's all right. She does a lot of just laying around in her underwear. That says it all. You want my love. Take it all. You want to watch it all come off. Take it all, come on now, show me how you take it all. Thank you. What for? Thank you for reminding me I'm not special. 
You don't even see what you do, do you? Even the moments I think are ours, it's just you working to get what you want. You want my blood? Are you enthralled? You want to see it slip away and watch it fall? Oh, we know it's your show, so take it all. Right, next. Um, Little White Lies. Little White Lies. So this is uh, back to French cinema now. Yeah. What did you think to this? Or this in, in France, this is uh, Le Petit Monchoirs. Monchoir? Monchoir? You know, we're going to butcher all the pronunciations in this, but yeah. the small handkerchiefs, basically. I like this film because it was, like, the perspective and the storyline was super interesting. It was basically like, it all surrounded around this, like, one guy that was all friends and stuff, but he was basically in hospital for the entire thing and it was all about his friends and just it was really it was a really long like story that kind of ebbed and flowed like you find out things about them and you really got to know the characters which was awesome well it's a again like nine it's a big ensemble cast Mm. like really big cast that's what has to be so Mm. long because you get to know all these characters yeah and i really felt like i got to know all these characters it was really well written and they have a tradition where you know every year they grow as a group to their friends, right, beachside, beach holiday yeah. home. Uh, they've got a friend who's like really wealthy and he takes them on and pays mm. for everything. And there's a group of like 10 characters that all yeah. go together. And it's just about their relationships together and like how their friendships intertwine and the, like the secrets that they... Yeah, the things they keep from each other, things they don't say, little yeah. white lies. Yeah, yeah. You tell. And they're, yeah, just the relationships. But like, like you said, in the first 10 minutes, they're one of the real close friends of the group gets in an accident and he's hospitalized but they go on holiday without him and it's 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 the holiday it's just mm. them on holiday and it's really funny because yeah. you're watching friends be silly on holiday together and it's really tragic and as it's well. really sad and it's a real gamut of emotions mm. i read a thing about this where they said um it's actually quite similar to the adam sandler film grown-ups right but it's like if grown-ups was good <laughs> and good actors yeah and like the cast is amazing like all the cast is so yeah. good and the characters are all so good yeah and like though it doesn't feel like there's a lead character at no all. i mean when they when this is pushed when it's on posters and stuff it's normally the two characters they sort of focus on more are um can't remember the actor's name but he's in uh intouchables oh the uh, the older friend yeah, who the the owns and, the place yeah. yeah and marianne's character they're sort of pushed right. to sort of the two main yeah. but i don't think anyone gets any more screen time than anyone else no but i would say that um let me get his name up because cazalet i think his surname is yeah yeah francois cazalet yeah um i think he has sort of the main role yeah i would kind of agree his because holiday. it is holiday home and also um i don't know a big part of the film and the issues in it are like surrounded by him I suppose if you were going to say the male and female lead, it would mm. be him and her. Anyway, Marianne's characters are really interesting in this. Yeah, she travels a lot and she smokes pot and she's a real sort of like wild... Mm, nomadic kind of soul. Yeah, she likes having sex with people. She's bisexual and mm. she is the ex-girlfriend of the guy who gets hospitalised at the beginning. Mm. But I think she's kind of... But she's still, still got like a still, Yeah, there's always, there's always, yeah, they're still kind of like involved somehow. And So she's got a yeah, lot really going on with her character. I really liked her character in this. It's a really yeah. different role for Yeah, her yeah, play. yeah, definitely. That's why I liked it, I think, because it was quite unique. Yeah. Like all the roles are quite unique. 
interesting film because this was massive in France. Right. The year it came out, it was like, well, the most popular film of the year, biggest film. Wow. And pretty much in the rest of the world, it was like panned and everyone hates it. Okay. And if you look at the average scores for this on like your Metacritics and mm. your IMDb, like they're pretty terrible. Right. But I loved this film. Yeah, I liked I it. I really loved it. And it sounds, you know, I think it's over two and a half hours long. So mm. you're like, how can you watch just some people on holiday for two and a half hours? But to me, it just like, yeah, I, I was just like swept up in it. It just like, mm. it didn't feel, feel like, involved in it. Yeah, yeah. Because there were so many characters and I wanted to know all about them all because mm. they're all interesting in different ways. Yeah. Yeah, and every time you got sort of like a little snippet of like more information, mm. it kept you kind of like more intrigued. Mm. Um, so yeah, definitely check this out if you're interested in watching people go on holiday. Um, <laughs> if you want to watch a good version of Grown Ups. <laughs> and just do their own thing and live their lives and how they're all intertwined and, and stuff. And really it got a sequel. Oh, cool. Last, only last year a sequel to this came out. Okay. We'll have to check that Which, out. Which uh, we didn't get a chance to watch because this was one of the last ones we watched. I didn't know mm. if it would be any good, but now I really do want to watch that sequel. Yeah. So Let's um, put that back on the list. I'll um, I'll check that out at some point. Cool. Uh, but yeah, we're Little White Lies, good film. Next is, ooh, Midnight in Paris. This was the first film we watched. I really like this film. So I want to get it out of the way. Um, this is a Woody Allen film. I'm not yeah. going to talk about Woody Allen. Yeah. If, if, whether you like him or not. I, I always try and approach all these films. I mean, I talked about Roman Polanski on the Sigourney Weaver one. Right. I, For the film's film, value only. Any films we talk about on this pod, we separate art from artist and that's it. Yeah. I really like this film. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was really cool. Like, the concept was amazing. I didn't really know the concept going into it, so I was... Yeah. Sort of taken aback by some of the twists and turns. And wow, so, this is what it's about. Owen Wilson, who I love, basically is in Paris. You love Owen Wilson? Yeah, I love him. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> he's like a weird one. Um, he's one of them where I don't necessarily think he's a great actor. No. He's very charismatic, so I can yeah. watch him. I, yeah, he's just in, I just find him really intriguing. Anyway, uh, he's in Paris with his fiance. in my opinion, who's like quite insufferable mm. um with her like parents and stuff and he they're just like wandering around doing it's, things it's like destined to be a terrible yeah. marriage the, his, his, their in-laws don't believe in him and all this kind of shit um so every night he's he exploring walk on the streets yeah. of paris he so, loves he's a big francophile he loves france yeah and yeah, yeah. Day in paris and he just is on he's wandering around and he sort of gets into this vintage looking car and is transported back in time yeah and it's one of those to, like magic films that we never get film. it's a magic film and um it was the concept is so cool he just yeah. he's a big francophile like i said he loves all the old style paris it's like 20s his dream is to yeah. live in paris and all his famous right favorite writers and it's his favorite period of time it's like happening in yeah. his mind this is when paris was at its like peak it was happening like everyone was there all yeah. like the writers he admires and like wants to talk to and he finally gets to like and he it, this happens like multiple nights Every he night kind he of goes he has like a second this, life and he they remember him and yeah. he, he has like he becomes relationships friends with like uh like gertrude stein yeah uh, scott's fitzgerald uh, pablo hemingway Picasso, hemingway yeah. he was good friends with um and he Dali, or, they like yeah. everyone from that era and uh marianne's character is actually um in a relationship is pablo picasso's like mistress, mistress. yeah, yeah. Um, who he sort of falls in love with. Is it a, is it a spoiler if I say that? Like a bird, I, I would like avoid that? spoilers. I, just, okay. I would say just that's the magic. concept is cool. Yeah, yeah the, the magic and the... Because you think, oh, he's dreaming it, but then there's things that point, no, this is actually happening. Yeah. 
And it's so cool. So he has this actual real sparking mm. romance happening in the past. Yeah. And then he comes back to the future and he has this terrible... And I think it makes him realise he has this terrible marriage ahead of him. Yeah. And how much he actually loves Marianne's character. Mm, and how much they kind of just click together. But then it's also about nostalgia. Like the, yeah. a lot of this film is about nostalgia and how, you know, the glory days... When you're living in living the glory it, days, yeah. it's some time, another time. So for him, mm. it is like that is the best time period and the best place. Mm. And then when he's there, she those talks, people want a different time. Yeah, of place she and, talks about like you know turn of the century or yeah. like years like years before ever eighteen whatever. She was like that was the time to be alive, kind of thing. Yeah. And all this is happening, and he was like, no, like. So you yeah. don't see that you're living in the best time period. Yeah, yeah. So it's all it's all about nostalgia, and I thought this was a great film. The past has always had a great charisma for me. Oh, me too. Great charisma for me. I always say that I was born too late. Mm. Moi aussi. For me, La Belle Époque Paris would have been perfect. Really? Yes. Better than now? You know, the whole sensibility, the street lamps, the kiosks, the horse and carriages. And Maxim's then. You speak very good English. No, not really. No, you do. How long have you been dating Picasso? My God, did I just say that? Pardon? I, I don't mean to, I didn't mean to pry. Were you born in Paris? I was born in Bordeaux. I moved here to study fashion. I love going back into like, 20s Paris. It was yeah. really fun. I wish there was more bits of it. I wish there was a whole film about that, <laughs> to be honest. But it's, it's a great film and yeah. it's really. Marion's great in it. Her character is amazing. Great in it. She's like kind of alluring and mysterious and like savvy. Yeah, and... she's very mysterious. Yeah, mysterious but confident. Yeah. And yeah. She's really cool in it. Um, and, it's, it's... and has some great um, wardrobe as well. And it's a gorgeous setting. Yeah. Just see a lot of Paris and mm. it just looks great. I've, I've never been to Paris. I've been nearly every European city, but I've never been to Paris, amazingly. Um, and actually just watching this made me want to go to Paris. Mm. 1920s Paris. Yeah, specifically. <laughs> um, so yeah, Midnight in Paris, really good film. So next is Contagion. Yeah, so we watched this uh, for the Lawrence Fishburne episode. Yeah. And so we saw it way before what's happening at the moment, which is like global lockdown. Yeah, well, we're not talking about that. But this is this is this film is like spiked in popularity now. Everyone's watching it yeah. for some mad reason. They're trying to find out what's going to happen to us. Yeah, but <laughs> we talked about this with the Lawrence Fishburne one, and mm. this is another another big ensemble film. Yeah, where there isn't really a main character. Mm. But we did say at the time, or well, she had a kind of a, a meatier role than some of the others. She gets kidnapped. She's the kidnapped victim and yeah. they're trying to hold her hostage for a cure. Yes. And even though she has a fair amount of screen time, it's mm. like just her being held hostage. Mm. So it's not a very exciting yeah. role. Mm. Two clusters, one at a hotel, the other at a health club. Five dead, encephalitis. And there's the man on the bus in Tokyo. Three dead in that cluster. Any of them travel to China or London? We're chicken. And yeah, I, I, the only thing I'm interesting about this is when she filmed it, mm. she was six months pregnant. Maybe that's why they put her in that role. Yeah, but after it's like, you just got to do, haven't got to do much. Yeah. 
But um, I feel like we spoke about Contagion on yeah. enough on the Lawrence Fishburne one, and there's not enough to talk about anymore. Mm. So let's move on to uh, Dark Knight Rises then. Dark Knight Rises. So this was her with Chris Nolan again. Mm-hmm. So they worked on Inception. Yeah. He really liked working with her on Inception, and he wanted her for this role. Um, and she plays, I don't know if it's even a spoiler to say who she plays. Mm, maybe a little bit. Yeah, so she plays a character in this. <laughs> uh, Bruce's sort of love interest. Yeah. He's going to settle down with her. Yeah. Um, and Nolan really wanted her for this role to the point where he actually moved a lot of the scheduling around to uh-huh. get her for it because obviously she was pregnant and contagion. By the time this was, she was like giving birth. Oh my God. So she was starting filming her scenes for this only a month after giving birth. Wow. That's crazy. And they moved it around to get her for that because he really wanted her for this role. Mm. Um, But yeah, what what do you think of Dark Knight Rises? Because this is a bit of a contentious film. How so? What do you mean? Everyone hates this film. Oh, really? Yeah. I've not seen it for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I need to rewatch it to give it like a proper opinion. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. A lot of people don't like this uh, film. Everyone sort of holds The Dark Knight as sort of like the crown jewel of all superhero movies or whatever, which is a good film. Mm. Um, Personally, I just like the whole trilogy. I actually really like Dark Knight Rises. I Mm. understand why those people don't. People try and find plot holes in it, and I'm just like, you know, how we got from one place to another isn't a plot hole. It's just not watching something boring. Yeah. <laughs> so don't worry about it. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. This modern culture for like finding plot holes is really dull. There's there is a lot going on in this film. Yeah. There's so many characters, so much yeah. stuff. So it is easy to sort of just like characters to get sidelined a bit. Mm. And I feel like her character doesn't get the necessary screen time. Yeah. I feel like her character could be an entire like a separate film like of itself. Yes. They they tried so hard to keep her character a secret. Mm. To make for an interesting reveal that by the time she reveals herself, you're like, who again? Like, it, it, right, it yeah. almost is lost because they hid too much of it, under yeah. for sure. Mm. So, yeah, I do like this film. I, do, I like the whole trilogy. Mm. But... I kind of... Stuff like that, I do take as sort of one, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but again, Just like... Just kind of like Lord of the Rings. It's I like feel like they really... could have done better with her, with her character yeah. based on the character that it's based on. Yeah. And how integral that is. Mm. You see, it's the slow knife, the knife that takes its time. The knife that waits years without forgetting, then slips quietly between the bones. That's the knife that cuts deepest. But anyway, yeah, Dark Knight Rises. Uh... So, let's talk about uh, The Immigrant. Yeah, this was her first leading role in an English-speaking film. Wow. Well, think of all these other ones. We've said, oh, it's just an ensemble. Oh, she has a small part. Mm -hmm. In an English-speaking film, this is her first lead. Yeah. Yeah. I loved her in this. Did you? Yeah, I thought she was great. 1921, she's an immigrant basically trying to escape. um, She's Polish. Yeah. Yeah. And move to America. Mm -hmm. And she gets sort of... She gets entwined with um, Joaquin Phoenix's character, who's yeah. like a burlesque. He's kind of got a troop of yeah, women. Yeah, he's an organiser. Yeah. He, he has a, tr- a troop of burlesque but He's also girls. a pimp. Yeah. Um, he's very shady. So. I know I know Joaquin actually 
found this character kind of hard to play because he's such a shithead. Yeah. Um, it's really... Like, his character is so... Manipulative. Yeah, and, like, irredeemable, but then he's kind of not... I don't know. I don't know how to feel about his character. As to what do you... Sir, can you help me? Ma'am, you were in the exclusion line. Yes. Did they explain to you what that meant? Yes, yes. They're sending you back. No, no, no. I, I can work. He, you know this man. You talk to them. You, you've already been processed. Their decision's been rendered. There's very little I can do. Please. 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 But it is just about... It is a bit um, just like tragedy porn. Just like watching... Yeah. Like getting beaten down with this just tragic character. Mm. He's just like, oh, God, get get ready to feel miserable for two hours because she's just going to get used and manipulated. Um, But she does strike up like a friendship with Joaquin's cousin. This is his cousin, right? Who's a magician. Jeremy Renner. Played by Jeremy Renner. Yeah, he pops up in it. Who is a nicer person, but still heavily flawed. Yeah, definitely. Has a few like vices. But yeah, I just, I really liked it. It was tough to watch though. But I thought um, Marianne's... Like performance was great for me. It felt like I, what, I don't know what it was about this film. I just felt like something was missing. Mm. Like by the end of it, I was like, oh, okay, like it. It had the ingredients to be really good, but by the end, I just felt like there was something missing from mm. making it great. Mm. Like it was good, but it wasn't great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but she was good. Like she had to learn. So you said when we watched this, she said, "Does she speak Polish?" Because mm. a lot of her scenes are in Polish. Um, the answer is no, she doesn't. She had to memorise 20 pages of Polish dialogue in two months. For oh, this my role. God. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think the woman who played, uh, I think it's the aunt. Yeah. It was one who was tutoring her. Oh, cool. Because she was actually Polish. Yeah. Hmm. Um, that's pretty cool. She's, I mean, I'm not, I don't speak Polish, but I think she was fairly convincing. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, so this role, like I said, it's her first leading role, and this was a role that was written for her. Like when they wrote the script for this, they wrote it with her in mind. This was, wow. yeah. Mm. So yeah, good performance. Yeah, but not my favorite film. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. Yeah. She had a small cameo in Anchorman Two right. <laughs> as the uh, Canadian news anchor. Um, <laughs> That's so bizarre. Yeah, they have that 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 section of Anchorman Two. It's like they cut to the news anchors all over the world. Mm. And they're all played by like really famous people. Mm. So that's the gimmick. Like Jim Carrey's her co-anchor, I think, and stuff like that. Because he's Canadian. They've, like she's French and he's Canadian. So they're right. like the two French. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they have like, I think Kanye West is one of the news anchors. That is like loads of them. That's amazing. <laughs> There's not going to be any fight without Scott Riles and the incredibly polite Canadian news team. Yeah! What about the French speaking Quebec news? The real voice of Canada. Give it a rest, eh? Give me a break. They can't have news. Nothing happens in Canada. We're going to mop the floor with you. We're going to put the boots to you. Sorry. Sorry. We're going to gouge your eyes out and kick your head in. Sorry. Um, Then she had a small uh, voice role in The Little Prince. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, this is another one where it's like the role is so small. Mm. I maybe would have prioritized a different film over it had I known. Because I think... I mean, we said she had a small role in um, a very long engagement. Mm. I think this one is like two sentences. 
Yeah. <laughs> but I hadn't seen it before and it was really good. Yeah, I mean, it's a very important role. Like, her character is talked about through the whole film. Yeah. But she only actually speaks, has two lines, I think. Yeah. Um, but this is the modern version of um, The Little Prince. Yeah. Which is sort of not a, an actual retelling of the story. It's more about, you know, the people around the book and someone experiencing mm. the stories. Yeah, uh, which, which I really rubbed liked. a lot of people really the wrong way because oh, they were really? like, "Oh, this isn't the story. It's like it's not supposed to be. It's like mm. a, a modern version of." No, I liked it, and it's it about coping cool. with death and things like that. It's, yeah, I thought it had some really good messages in for um for children, and mm. it was really nicely animated and uh, oh yeah, nice film. Mm. And she played the Rose, is what she plays. Mm. She played this character in the French and the English oh, recording, that's cool. so she got to do both. Do both. We watched the English version. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, not much to say. It's a, it's a tiny role. How, how beautiful you are. I'm only half awake. Forgive me, I'm still quite disheveled. You're perfect. Am I not? Oh. I was born at the same moment as the sun. I know that she has played the rose in... Um, performances or stories I, I read a thing when she visits like you know sometimes um like famous people will visit children's hospitals and mm. stuff she's done that a few times and she's played the rose oh cool in that before they did the film okay when they've done like adaptations of the little print mm. so but yeah after this uh we watched the 2015 mm-hmm. adaptation of macbeth yep where she plays lady macbeth yes um alongside uh, Michael Fassbender. Yeah. That's my best. What did you think of this? I, it was really hard to watch. Okay. Because we only watched this last night. I struggled, honestly. And I feel like an ignoramus. I just didn't... You know when we watched um, Othello? Yes. With Fishburne? Yeah. And we said, oh, it took a while. It took about 15, 20 minutes. But like yeah. you got into like the rhythm of the dialogue. And you kind of like started to understand it and it kind of like clicked and yeah. it's just it's kind of like it's not a foreign language but it's just like old english so just gets a bit of getting used to yeah um with this it totally didn't happen it just me. didn't ever you just could never click with it yeah i just didn't really understand what they were saying i got the gist of what was happening um but i feel like the gravitas of the dialogue washed over me a little bit because i wasn't didn't really i wasn't engaged with it mm-hmm. which is which i was a bit disappointed with my, myself um <laughs> <laughs> don't beat yourself off about it uh, <laughs> but yeah so i was a bit i didn't i probably didn't um get like 100 percent out of it but the but the performance and the um like the look and feel and the art direction was absolutely stunning yeah i mean i was really looking forward to watching this mm. um because last year i had to study Shakespeare as part of my degree. Mm. Um, and it made me want to, as a previously not a fan of Shakespeare, it made me appreciate Shakespeare right. for the first time in my life. Mm. And then I was more interested in watching some adaptations. Yeah. And so we watched Othello, yeah. which I loved. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm in. Like, I like Shakespeare yeah. stuff now. You're like, um, I think I was, we just got off on the right foot with I that was one. totally in. And then I watched this and I was like, nah. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't love it. Yeah. And it has some great lines and poetic language and the performances were good. Yeah. Cinematography was, I know you loved it. I thought it was okay. Like it it was hit or miss with me. Like some scenes I loved and some things I thought were overdone. Right. 
I felt like the use of colour yeah. was really, really nice. But I just, I didn't. Didn't click. It didn't, didn't click quite, with yeah. me. Yeah, I loved Othello. Yeah. And I wanted to love this and I just didn't. I feel the same. And I just feel like the storyline, I've never read Macbeth, but I don't know, like there was just nothing fantastical about that storyline. It's a king that goes mad. Yeah. But it's a classic tragedy. It's like mm. a tragic character study. Yeah. Which I guess is quite unique for that era, just to be like, we're going to watch this man's descent. Mm. There's no redeeming like characteristics or whatever. There's mm. no redeeming features. Yeah, I You're guess. going to watch a man break and, mm. yeah. Uh, but I was a bit disappointed by this, I'll right. be honest. Yeah. Mm. What need we fear who knows it when none can call our power to account? Yet who would have thought the old man to have had so much blood in him? A vein of five had a wife. Where is she now? What? Will these hands now be clean? No more of that, my lord. No more of that. Um, so that was we the, the film after that we wasn't actually gonna watch. We just snuck it in just now. We watched yeah. it just now. We watched uh, April and the Extraordinary World. Yeah. Uh, which is a French animated film from 2015. Yeah, really lovely animation on this one. Yeah, it has that, um, I always think of it as like French comic book looking, yeah. thick lines, Yeah, yeah. expressive faces, looks like Tintin and mm. that sort of very European comic book style. Yeah, it's lovely. The story is really fun. Yeah, it's like, Exciting. A, it's like a steampunk movie, basically. Yeah. It's what if, um, you know... Electricity was never... Electricity was never invented because, you know, they, all the scientists were, like, hoarded away for other things yeah. uh, during wars and everything runs on coal. And basically, like, the Industrial Revolution just, like, dragged on and on yeah. and on. And then it's just about this girl whose parents were scientists and she's looking for them because they went missing when she was mm. a child. She's also trying dead. to practice like chemistry. And she's trying to continue their work. Where yeah. it's kind of it's not illegal, but you get if you're if you practice if science you, yeah, and you, you get have abducted to work for the by the government, yeah. yeah. Um, it's really interesting, like super cool. Really cool concept. She's a talking cat, which I there love. There's a talking cat. Yeah, it's really cool. Really yeah. interesting. Really nice animated film. Mm. Which I would recommend. It has a very cool, very cartoony, but also like very detailed backgrounds of very cartoony characters. Yeah. Which I like a lot, that look. Marianne plays the main character, of the yeah, girl. Yeah, she's April. Mm. Avril. Avril, which is really nice. All the voice actors are really, really great in it. Yeah, so this was the start of her sort of return to French cinema. Because mm-hmm. she'd done a lot of um, like English-speaking roles for quite a while. Mm-hmm. In a row, we've got you know, Midnight in Paris, Contagion, Dark Knight Rises, Immigrant. Uh, little, mm-hmm. little Prince, Macbeth, mm. and then this was a French voice acting. And then after this, she did a few French for a few years. She did mm-hmm. French roles. Yeah. So we watched two from 2016, mm-hmm. uh, which were both uh, against each other at the Cannes Film Festival. They she had two films in contention mm-hmm. at the film festival that year. Mm. Uh, the first of which was From the Land of the Moon or uh, Mal de Pierres. Oh, here we go. Apologies for my pronunciations. <laughs> Um, and this was her first French film in four years. Mm-hmm. Um, but what did you think to this one? Because of the two, 
I liked this one less, but I don't know what you think. What was the other one? It's only only the end of the world. Only the end of the world. I think I preferred From the Land of the Moon. So you preferred this one? Yeah. Okay, well, you you tell me why you like this one, then I will talk about the other film and I'll tell you why I like that. I think I like this because of, I like history films. I like films that are set in the past. So Mm -hmm. this is like 1950s France. Yep. Um, It's kind of in like the Alps, which is a place that I absolutely adore so it was yeah. nice to see those surroundings the setting was really cool yeah um, and she basically I don't know she's yeah she's quite an interesting like younger woman and her parents basically just want her to settle down and be quote unquote normal yes. but she's not um, and she doesn't pretend to be and she doesn't want to be she's very sort of, emotional yeah she's very over the Spirited. top of her emotions yeah um, and she just basically agrees to marry this guy to basically shut her parents up yeah um, and then she has kidney stones, I think. She gets kidney stones, but they're not really sure what they are, so she gets sent off to this They, they do hospital, diagnose them it? as kidney stones, because they, mm. they send her to it. She, so 80% of this film takes place at just this spa in the Alps, which yeah. is, the, I like the setting, it's really mm. cool, just to see her life in this spa. Yeah. And uh, they're trying to break down the, the kidney stones of the treatments in there, like, you know, steam mm. baths and things like that. It's so quite regimented, you know. Yeah, got... and she's there for a long time. Yeah. yeah. She falls in love. With another guy. Yeah, it's a romance. Which I really like. I think when she's younger, she just feels like she's too disinterested in guys. Well, she, doesn't... She, she initially is in love with her teacher. Oh, uh, yeah. Who, like, yeah, rebuffs yeah, yeah. her. And then it's like there will never be another man. She's yeah. so overly emotional, or mm. so overwrought as a character. But then eventually, at the spa, she comes across another man that she yeah. falls for. And it's watching that it's relationship about their relationship, develop. yeah. And kind of her juggling that relationship and then the relationship with her actual husband who yeah. she's not interested in at all but no. sticks by her despite this and you, you sort of see the, the the main bulk of this is a flashback you see her older with a child with her actual husband so mm. you're like okay she went to this spa and she doesn't love her husband and they have this kid yeah and she falls in love with this other guy how does she end up having this kid and staying with the husband you, you want to know how it gets to that point yeah, so you're yeah, waiting yeah. to catch up to it mm. um, yeah I really liked it there's a couple of elements towards the end of the film I just kind of found ridiculous right. and it kind of soured me on the whole thing mm-hmm. but I liked the saying yeah. and I didn't dislike this film I thought her performance was really really good oh yeah both these 2016 films I think mm. she's they're such different characters and yeah. so well So let's talk about um, It's Only the End of the World. So she is not... This is another like big ensemble piece. Mm-hmm. It's like a lead character mm-hmm. who is dying. Mm-hmm. He's uh, like a kind of a well-known writer. Mm-hmm. And he goes home to see his family for the first time in like over 10 years. He never goes mm-hmm. back home. And he doesn't really have a relationship with his sister because she was a child when he left. Mm-hmm. He sort of left the, their small hometown village to the city yeah. to come up to make something of himself. And he goes back there to tell them all that he's dying. 
but the relationships are so frayed he has to sort of build up his relationships with them before he can like break it down again mm, yeah and it's a lot of it is just him having these one-on-ones with the different members of the family yeah so he goes it's only the film's only the duration is like a day Yes. Isn't it? So it all happens over the duration of a day. He arrives like mid-morning. But she plays the member of the family that he's never met before. Yeah. she is married to his brother. Yeah. So she's sort of the outsider and is meeting him for the first time. So she hasn't really got any baggage other than what she's heard. I loved her, the way she played this character. Yes, this this. is is what I was going to say. The character is the brother Mm. who she's married to is very domineering. He's so like foreboding and opinionated. He is like the troublemaker of the family. Very controlling. And you can tell that she's used to him just being in control of everything. So she stammers and stutters and rambles when she starts talking she goes off on one for ages mm. and just talks nonsense and lo- but loses her words mm. all the time she's not used to speaking for so long it feels like yeah or being asked yeah like when he's talking to her and asking her and she kind of like trips up because she's never she doesn't really often get that consideration mm. Mm. Um, yeah i loved her her portrayal of this character. Yeah, so I, I thought the character was amazing. It's it's not a lead role. No. She has one of the smaller roles. This mm. was kind of, I think everyone in this film is kind of a big known name. Yeah, the brother, the older brother guy, recognise him. Yeah, he's been in a few things. Mm. Um, so for, for like a French viewer, mm-hmm. this is like a big all-star cast. For us, I was like, well, I, I recognise the brother and I know her. Mm. And uh, one of the other guys I knew from something right, else, yeah. but it wasn't there, like, like big names to me. Um, it felt like watching almost like a Wes Anderson film where he gets this big cast mm-hmm. of loads of different people and they've all got small roles. Yeah. But um, I loved her character. Yeah. And I just thought it was such an interesting performance of little just quirks, mm. which I just thought was great. And yeah. that, yeah, pushed this film over mm. the edge. And all the, all the characters had that really. They've the, definitely the younger got very, sister has interesting quirks as yeah, well. I've seen her and stuff before. All their personalities are very distinct. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so it's only the end of the world or uh, in French, uh, Juste la fin du monde. Mm. Uh, so two more. Uh, we watched Allied, yep. which was her, you know, this is like a big Hollywoody, Action. her and Brad Pitt yep. playing the leads. Uh, what did you, did you think? Did you like this? This is a little bit of a panned film. I did like this. I love the twist. So there's a big twist in this. There's a few little twisty bits. Yeah. That sort of goes back and forth because it's a spy movie. Yeah. So of course there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was cool. And I obviously really like war films. This is based in like 1942. Mm. I don't think it's like terribly accurate. Is no, it like that's historically a lot of criticism. accurate? There's a lot of historical um, inaccuracies. Fine. I just took it for like a fictional like spy it's a, it's a spy film. romance film yeah. it's these two spies mm. an american and she's french yeah she plays like a female uh french resistance yeah. fighter and they have this mission where they're together they get paired up together in morocco mm. and they sort of fall for each other and yeah. then you watch that unfold yeah and then you um, see them like later like their lives of kind of yeah how they cope after the war mm. so settle down have a kid that kind of thing um and there's a lot of Brad Pitt has to speak quite a lot of French in this. Yeah. So they're undercover as he's they're supposed to be from Paris. Mm. She tutored his French in this. Right. Um, it seemed okay to me, but I don't speak French, so I don't I know think how. you could definitely... I can't believe they 
in the in the film his character's like from Paris and I don't know why they chose to shoehorn that in. It's not like uh, um, oh because he's Canadian in real life. That's, yeah. So she's like you're speaking with a French Canadian. Right. Yeah. You're supposed to be from Paris, sort of thing. Yeah, I don't know why. His character's supposed to be from Canada. Why, why, why from couldn't Canada. Why couldn't he be from somewhere else? But anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did. I did like this one. Tell me what you will do after the war. I don't know what I'll do after the war. Look. The lovely Madame Petit in apartment seven. She's married to a German tongue captain and she's watching us. You're very thorough. That's why I'm still alive. Now we should talk and laugh. Mm. We're married, why would we laugh? <laughs> So they were actually accused of having a real-life affair oh, really? during the making of this film. Oh, my God. And shortly after this film came out, <gasps> Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie divorced. <gasps> really? Yeah. I'm. It was not true. They didn't have an affair. No. But there was all these rumours they were having an affair because they're like, you know, two of the most beautiful people in the world starring yeah. alongside each other in this, like, spy romance. <laughs> like, it just seems like, oh, they can't be having an affair, right? <laughs> I <laughs> mean... a ridiculous sex scene in the middle of a sandstorm between them in a car. I'd ship it, but I don't think it happened. No, it didn't, it didn't happen. Um, but, yeah, obviously, it brought some stuff out with Brad and Angelina's relationship. Mm. So there we go. Uh, and then finally, the most recent film that we watched was... Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't watch it. I've already seen it. Saw it when it came out and I had no intention to watch it again. Giving away what I think about Assassin's Creed. Right. So she, she's in this alongside Michael Fassbender again. During the making of Macbeth, he was talking to her a lot about this. Really wanted her on board because he produced this film. And was really excited to make this film for years. Uh, but... It, it didn't turn Fell out short. well. Yeah, it yeah. did not turn out well at all. She plays like the scientist lady, right? Doesn't she in the base? Barely fucking remember. Yeah. It's been a while <laughs> since I've seen it. Um, Even she was unhappy with the changes made to the script from the initial. Oh, really? Yeah. She said when she read the initial script, she mm. thought it was great and she sort of fell in love with this idea and she's like, this is great. This can be really good. Mm. And then when they sent her the modified script, she was like, it just lost everything that she Why? liked about it in the Who first place. T- tinkered with it? Who tampered with it? I feel like this it? is one of them films that was in like development hell for a long time and, and everyone some, tinkered. Everybody. Too, too many, many cooks. cooks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, she mm. actually, they agreed to let her work on the script with them so that mm. she helps revise the script with them and tried to rework it back into something she was happier with. Right. But you this, can't polish this, a turd. this film's a real mess, I think. You can't polish a turd, can you? Yeah, so she was, because he was producing this Michael Fassbender, he, after working with Vera Beth, he chose her for this role. He's like, I really wanted to do it. I was mm. talking up on that set. Mm. Couldn't get two more different films. <laughs> you imagine him like, and his mm. moody on set as Macbeth going mm. mad. And in between, he's like, yeah, so we're making this Assassin's Creed film. It's going to be amazing, especially in these video games. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't really have anything to say about it. I don't like talking too much negativity on this show. Yeah. So we didn't like it. And I'm not going to sit here and slam it. Yeah. Uh, and Never that's mind. all the ones we watched. Cool. Really great selection. Yeah, super varied. Um, so much variety here. I feel like if we'd have watched many more, though, we'd be definitely fluent in French. Yes. if I've never watched so much French cinema in, in the short space I of honestly loved it. I'm glad that um, I'm glad that you chose her because I think I really enjoyed um, watching lots of friends. I think it might be quite interesting to maybe um, maybe at least once a year or something just choose someone who's done a lot of 
foreign cinema so yeah. it gives us a chance to watch some of that stuff because it's interesting mm. and i think hopefully based on what we said people who only know her from her english-speaking roles check out some other ones will out of curiosity check out some of these because mm. to be honest most of my favorite ones were the french yes yeah. uh, but anyway we'll have a little break now and we'll think about our favorites and we'll come back and talk about that yeah in a minute cool Cool. Okay, that took you a while. Yeah, it was quite difficult. I was like, I know, (laughs) straight away. Okay, so you go first then. You sure? Yep. Okay, so my four, and when we do, so for new listeners, uh, we talk about our favourite, we're just going to list our favourite four films. Personal favourites. Personal favourites, based on the film alone. Yeah. And then we'll talk about the four, what we think are the best films, best spread based on performance Mm -hmm. and stuff that she should be known for. Mm -hmm. And whether that aligns with what IMDb currently says. Yeah. So my four. Right. Inception. Okay. Rust and Bone. Mm Mm-hmm. Little White Lies. Right. And Midnight in Paris. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's pretty predictable, I think. Okay. It was close between, um, we'll we'll go over yours and I'll tell you what mine was. There was one more that was like really close. Mm -hmm. But yeah, go on. So mine are probably Midnight in Paris. Well, 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 probably. They have to be. (laughs) Mine is uh, Midnight in Paris. Yeah. From the Land of the Moon. Mm. Rust and Bone. Mm -hmm. And La Vie en Rose. Okay. Mm. What made you choose that inception? I mean... We've both got um, Midnight in Paris in there and Rust and Bone. They're yeah, like both amazing. really enjoyed those mm. films. Uh, Inception, I just really, I forgot how much I enjoyed it. I thought I was going to be disappointed revisiting it. And actually, I just really enjoyed revisiting it. Mm. And because I was watching it with her in mind, I realised how great her character is in that. Mm. You don't think of her character necessarily when you think of that film. You think of the main guys on the heist. Oh, yeah. But now I'm like, no, that character's great. Yeah. And yeah, it just really made me appreciate that. Yeah. And then the other one, um, Little White Lies. I just, I love that film. That mm. might be my favorite that we watched, actually. Yeah. And, um, but it was close. I nearly put Two Days, One Night was very close for me. It was my mm. close fifth, but. Right. But where, where, what made you put Land of the Moon? I really like it. Um, it's like a vintage, like, setting with a really interesting love story. And it's all mm-hmm. about, it's just what's going on in our head, which mm-hmm. I really liked. It was a really unique like storyline, I think. What was your other one? Uh Levy on Rose. Oh Levy on Rose. Oh yeah. so you like you obviously enjoy Levy on Rose more than I did. Mm. I thought her performance in that was really performance stellar. amazing, but I didn't love the film. Mm. Oh, um, I really enjoyed it. It was really interesting. With that in mind, mm-hmm. we'll work out our known force. Right. I do think Le'Veon Rose should definitely be on her Known Force. Yes. Because Agreed. like it's an incredible performance. Are we talking about Unknown Force then? Yes. Right now, right, okay. So we've shifted from our personal faves and now we're going to do the known for breakdown. I've got a really easy method that I don't know if you're going to stick to with this. Okay. I actually think the four IMDb known fours are pretty much my choices. I was starting to think that. That's my choice. Honestly. I wrote down down five films and I was like, oh, four of these are her Mm. known fours. Like, they, you've got... Levine Rose and Two Days One Night. Yeah, I think are two probably best performances. Mm-hmm. Two Days One Night is a very subtle performance. Yeah, but it's so raw and yeah. so real. I think. Oh, and there was both her Oscar-nominated performances. Mm. With, okay, so mm-hmm. I didn't even do that intentionally. So, yeah, I do think they're her best two performances. Yeah, and they should be in there. Yep. Uh, Rust and Bone was on both of our lists. Yeah. I get that as a ridiculously good performance. Yeah. And also different. All these films are so different. Yeah. Like she is such 
range. Mm. And then Inception just to have the big English-speaking blockbuster role. Yeah, it was a ginormous like role. Um, well, it was a ginormous film for her. And the role where she plays like the villain, yeah. which is really interesting. So were there any cool. that you were thinking would, would be contesting this? I don't know. I was like, oh, like... Because she's not really the main character, but then she's the main villain. So I was like, well, yeah, kind of. The only other one I was like allied, but I think I don't it's think actually it, not I don't that think good, it's a a good film. enough film. Yeah. The only other one I had was Love Me If You Dare because it was her breakout role. Yeah. Um, but I just think the others are better. Yeah. So <laughs> this is easy. We're going to mm. stick it at the IMDb known for. Yeah. They, they smashed it. It's true to, true to what, what it stands So for. we'll just quickly say our choices again. My mm-hmm. four were Midnight in Paris. Mm-hmm. Inception, Rust and Bone, and Little White Lies. Your four were? My personal faves were Midnight in Paris, From the Land of the Moon, Rust and Bone, and La Vie en Rose. And her known fours of our choice, and actually they are... They align with IMDb, yeah. La Vie en Rose. La Vie en Rose, Inception, Two Days, One Night, and Rust and Bone. Okay, so there we go. I'm going to say now, Mm. not just blow my own trumpet, because it was my choice... This has probably been my favourite one we've done. Oh, cool. Uh, in terms of like the films we've watched. Yeah. I think I wasn't expect. I knew she was a good actress, mm-hmm. but actually watching a lot of these roles, I think she's maybe one of the best performers around and think, the best that we've covered. Yeah, I think it was really cool to see. I feel like her the performances I knew from Marianne was a bit, it's a bit like an iceberg. You only see the top mm. and what's underneath is all of her like French speaking roles and diving into watching some more of those has totally blown blown out of the water oh my god yeah Um, (laughs) blown the iceberg out of the water you just titanicked into it um so yeah it was really really cool and i did love seeing all of the um french cinema because i think it's just got a different feel to it it's got like a different vibe and you never know what to expect Mm. like even a lot of big um like english-speaking films i know them roughly yeah but uh, i when this is completely on my radar and i whack a film i don't know what to expect yeah well it's not you know yeah you'd never come across it really um in england and you wouldn't even be able to sort of Unless, obviously, you went on oh, YouTube or whatever. You'd never just stumble across, like, the synopsis yeah. or, like, what's it about. I would never watch or, like, um, nobody... It's Only the End of the World, but I love that film. Yeah, like, your, your mates aren't really talking about it or whatever, mm. so you never catch, you know, them chatting about it or whatever and then get interested. Like, a lot of films, when they come out, you sort of chat about them with your mates and stuff, but all of these are total unknowns, and it was, yeah, yeah amazing to discover them. Yeah, I'd love it if um, some people listening go and, and take a plunge on some of these based on mm. what we said because there's some really good films in here. Yeah, cool. Um, you already said last time mm-hmm. that your next choice is Keanu Reeves. Yeah. I've got his IMDb page up here. Right. His known fours currently mm-hmm. are The Matrix, yeah. obviously, and The Matrix Reloaded. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be changing because I don't like having two things from the same franchise. And also, he has better films than Matrix Reloaded. Um, Them's fighting words. Speed. Right. And Point Break. Okay. So there's a whole lot of 90s going on is known for. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'd be interesting to watch some more of his. I've actually already been watching a few of his. Yep. Um, We've sort of started, haven't we? Yeah, with a little, we've dipped our toe in the water, but there's so much. There's mm-hmm. so, he's, I can't believe how many films this guy's been in. Mm-hmm. So 
please. I know we always ask for recommendations, but for this one, I'm going to need them because mm-hmm. we're not going to have time to watch all these films. If there's any that you really recommend that we should watch, yeah, let us know. And we'll give all the details for letting us know in a minute. But after you tell us, uh, so that's next month, the episode after that, Becca, what is your next choice? Okay. <laughs> um, my next choice for a female actress is um, Pam Greer. Pam Greer? Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to be watching lots of black exploitation films. I absolutely love Jackie Brown. And that's the only thing I've ever seen her in. Okay. Um, so yeah, I've chose her purely because I want to watch more of her films and see what she's been in. Because I down. don't know anything about her career at all. Yeah. And I'm really intrigued. I'm up for it. Cool. Uh, yeah. A kind of unknown for me. I've only seen her a few things. I love Jackie Brown. Yeah. I uh, gush about it on our uh, Four and One More Tarantino episode, which yeah. is available on the Bandcamp. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I've, I've only seen her in a couple of things other than that. Mm. So yeah, I'm down for it. That'll be interesting. Insert like cool, funky music here. We're going to save that for the episode. <laughs> um, wow. Okay. What a, what a choice. I know that would throw you for a loop. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. You was like, you was like, you've been like sort of giggling like you're not going to guess what my next choice is. But okay, I wasn't. And you never would. I did not guess. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to this one. Okay. Awesome. So, uh, like I said, if you want to get in contact, let us know because there's a lot of films with Pam Greer in. It's yeah. been over a hundred films. So, so I would like to know to if you have more knowledge on her than us, what do you recommend her must sees? Mm-hmm. And you can do that. It's knownforpod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You can go on the website, knownforpod.com. Yeah. Oh, and you can talk to me directly on Twitter, which is a very useful way to get directly in contact with me. It's at Bob Shoy. That's at B-O-B-S-H-O-Y. Cool. I also talked about those extra band camp episodes of Four and One More. Uh, mm-hmm. which you can get at uh, bobshoy.bandcamp.com. I uh, had a lot of purchases on there recently, and I think people are really enjoying the stuff that's on there. So do that. And you can also support my time editing, if you wish, at patreon.com slash bobshoy. Cool. That's it. And that's it. Yeah, we'll be back next month with Keanu Reeves. So until next time, please, everyone, be excellent to each other. Thanks. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 